0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: That's why the papers this morning have, oh, my, 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 my July. Uh, you know the song, My July. The nation, um, as they said, bolted to the beach and gorged on ice cream to survive the hottest day of the year yesterday. If you, unfortunately, were caught on Garrison Bridge yesterday because of uh, a main drainage scheme that they're putting through Kinsale, you'll know how head how your head was wrecked by it because it was awful Uh, Right across that bridge they had um, uh, traffic lights yesterday and it meant that on one, I suppose, the busiest Sunday in a long, long time with people trying to get over that bridge and use access roads around it, there was absolute chaos. Um, It just showed me yesterday, because I was caught in it yesterday going both ways, it showed me how many people actually do leg it to the beach and leg it to the countryside to enjoy the weather. And all of the papers this morning are saying that we need to brace ourselves for a continuing Scorcher. It won't be down here, but they are saying in the star this morning the temperatures could get up to in and around 26, 27 degrees. But they're talking about Shannon Airport and over in the County Clare. Uh, But the downside to it, the minute you get the sunshine uh, and people decide, oh God, I need to get the barbecue out, and that's a great thing, a bit of barbecued cooking. And there you have the independent, uh, you know, sticking a fork in your sausage, if you like, saying, ditch the burgers and ditch the sausages because you'll pile on the pounds of the barbecue. I suppose they want us to eat vegetarian uh, barbecues. There's nothing like a sausage or a burger or a pork chop or Betty chicken or what have you. Uh, you mean, you need the odd treat, don't you, when the sunshine comes? But barbecue enthusiasts being urged to swap burgers and sausages for healthy alternatives to avoid piling on the pounds. It'd be great to chat as the week went on, actually, <coughs> with regards to people who've had barbecue nightmares. But the real world, of course, continues. Those that are locked out of a home. Zero rooms in Cork City for hap tenants is a story making. The echo today, there's a fair few old wobbles for the coalition. And again in the papers today, they're um, only hours ahead now of a dull vote of no confidence. And the Mail this morning talks about that. Miron Martin, I was trying to cobble the support of independence, apparently, uh, and the mail deal with it. Meanwhile, something that in other countries would bring down a government won't obviously bring down a government here because very little does. Um, but the Greens apparently fly business class, despite they say the fact that business class seats have a much higher carbon footprint. <coughs> but those are the seats that they use for international travel, apparently, the Greens. Independent this morning says the Green Party ministers have been traveling on business class flights for international state visits, despite the fact that they go all in a tizzy about carbon footprints uh, and they're guilty of the worst of it themselves when they fly because it's three times worse, apparently. I don't know why but they say it's three times worse than a business class seat. Never mind the fact that the cost of a business class seat is absolutely astronomical. The best that I can ever see with business class or any of those is when you walk from the cheaper seats through the plane to get off it and you walk through those areas and you see the decadence of the seating arrangements and the beautiful, beautiful area that they have to sit and to lie out on and mind the food that they're uh, they're eating or noshing the champagne and what have you. But would you pay it? I wouldn't think so. I mean, €6,851 Euro for business class. Um, shorter flights, of course, would be less, but that's probably a typical example of a, a business class flight uh, on an international airplane. Uh, meanwhile, um, unfortunately, without being the um, harbinger of doom and gloom, I don't know whether you saw the Sunday Times analysis yesterday, of Irish goods. These are goods made and produced in Ireland, but for some extraordinary reason, are cheaper in the UK, and the Times UK, which the Irish edition of it yesterday spoke of things like Clonakilty sausages, Irish yogurts, pseudocreme, uh, Barry's tea bags, even all made here, but cheaper in the UK. You couldn't make this stuff up. And meanwhile, the Mail talks about the staggering cost of food shopping. You'll see it everywhere you go. You know, you might have got a, you know, a two for one punnet of strawberries. You know that kind of thing. Two for two for a fiver. Now that's costing you five fifty. And if every, if that was happening with every single thing you bought, it wouldn't be long before you'd start feeling a real pinch and be really strapped uh, with regards to the amount of money you've got available to, to shop. And then for online shopping and other types of shopping like it, I see the mail also says that um, in some cases, if you are buying a jumper that says that it's wool, you might need to want to check it. or I don't know how you would check the content of a jumper now that I mention it, but they're saying that the wool jumper and they specify one in Marks & Spencer, it's only one-third wool. And then other types of advertising for stuff that you're buying, that you think you're buying, like a satin dress, apparently, that's 100% made from polyester. And you heard in the news this morning with regards to clothing and uniforms and footwear that the back-to-school allowances will be paid with an extra 100 bucks, apparently, and it'll be a bank accounts next Monday. I hope it is because we heard that before, particularly those that were due a loyalty payment from the state. Uh, hopefully it will happen next Monday and the next few bob, of course, uh, will be very much appreciated. And with regards to uh, clothing items or fashion styles, have you noticed the amount of people going around these days with a, with a mullet? Apparently the mullet hairstyle or haircut is back in vogue again uh, apparently one in seven blokes are now going around with a mullet uh, don't know why um you know i guess that's fashion and style it it's cyclical everything comes back into fashion again and the mullet give examples of uh the <laughs> the mullet give ex- the mirror give examples of mullets in the papers today and you also heard that uh if anybody ever thought that the government would ever scrap a tax You know, you must be living in dream cuckoo land. There was um, a commission put together on media that recommended that uh, the TV license fee should be scrapped and that RTE should be just paid directly uh, by uh, the government through on through taxation, that's never going to happen. The government said, "Dream on, baby," or worse to that effect. People will continue uh, to pay the license fee. I've been a long believer that the license fee should be absolutely one hundred percent scrapped, and that RTE should be able to survive on their own uh, with advertising and sponsorship, just like the rest of us. Yeah, but who listens to me?
2: The number one talk show in Cork. If it's
3: happening
1: in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil show.
2: Show
1: on Red FM, and you can text 106 Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106 and uh, email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Thank you so much to Mick Mulcahy for the last couple of weeks. In all fairness, to him, kept the show on the road as always, and to the lads as well for working so well with them. And for you guys for staying in touch and getting involved in the conversation. We got calls, texts, and comments on the way back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now.
2: 0818 104
1: Cork's Red FM. You betcha. To the phone lines we go. Graham, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. Is it a good time for you? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, that's fine, yeah, no matter. Okay, I was, I was amazed, because you got in touch uh, over the past few days um, with regards to issues involving, uh, and a v- very interesting email that I going to re- re- read also from the, the sister of a girl who is in serious throes of heroin addiction and can't get help. I'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. But your story on the train from Dublin, share that with me, will you?
4: Yeah, so I was I was on the
1: train from Dublin there a couple of days You're ago. in recovery, right. incidentally, Graham, aren't you?
4: I am. I am, yeah, I'm just over five and a half years uh, in recovery myself. So I was on. I was on the train the other day, coming home from Dublin back down to Cork, and the train was absolutely packed. So I was just sitting down on, like, kind of where the carriageways meet, basically, and no seats. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was no seats at all. So it is what it is. I was just kind of sat down or whatever, and I was sitting next to the toilet basically. And when I was sitting down, this guy who was working on the train for Aaron Rodairn, he, will, he walked past me with two cans of beer in his hand. I thought that was a bit strange. And a couple of seconds later, this, this guy kind of straggled along just behind him and he was clearly after a lot of alcohol. So the guy from Aaron Rodairn, what he was doing, he was, I presume he was pouring out the cans or whatever and kind of give a bit of a quick lecture to the, the guy who was after alcohol. Yeah. And the guy who was after alcohol just sat down next to me, he plonked down on the floor next to me. And he said that he was just out of Coonvira and no. he had gotten kicked out of home, basically.
1: You mean, was so he, was he literally to, just out of Coonvira that day kind of thing or something?
4: Yeah, that's that's what I got from it. And I'd say his parents probably weren't taking him back.
1: Right. Because he was
4: drunk again, I, I, I'd say. Okay. So basically, I just replied to him and just said, "That's," I said, really, I said, "That's that's interesting. I'm actually in recovery myself. And his eyes just lit up the second I said that, you know? And we we got chatting. We were chatting for at least an hour and a half, I'd say. And then next thing, he invited me to where his actual seat was. So I said, yeah, I'll go with you. So I went up and sat down with him. And I was just having a heart-to-heart, basically, Neil. He slugged two cans of beer in the space of two seconds. Um, He was just, you know, there was a lot going on for him. I could see it. And every time that I spoke about my own kind of past and what I had been through and, and where I am now, Every time I mentioned something, it's almost as if he could relate straight away, and I could see tears welling up in his eyes, and his voice was crackling a bit, and it, it just it seemed to hit home with him. Young fellow, how old is he, though? He was, he said he was twenty-four. Yeah. So he was a, a young lad. He was, he had, you know, he he had luck going on basically. while he was saying, and I, obviously I won't go into that. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. He he has been he has definitely been through a lot, you know. Yeah,
1: and so there's there's reasons behind the situation and the you know the addiction issues that he finds himself with now.
4: Oh, definitely, and and if you look at addiction itself, I mean, where with addiction for me, my definition of what addiction is is it's basically escaping oneself um, and not being able to process what's going on for you in a healthy manner.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: You know, everyone in, in, in addiction is, is running from something. What
1: did he it's, mean it's by he said he was looking not. for signs?
4: Yeah, so, like, in the middle of us chatting for that, that, that hour and a half, he said that basically he, he had been looking for signs of something. It's almost as if he was just crying out for help and, and looking for something that would help him on his path to recovery in general, you know. And <clears throat> he said that he was looking for signs in his darkness for the last 24 years. And I didn't really dig into that too much, but I what I do gather from that was that basically he was on about me that day or, or, or something anyway, because he just kept looking at me as he said it. He kept staring into my eyes and I could see the pain and the hurt.
1: <clears throat> Did so he say think, why his family, for instance, said, no, you can't come back? Is it because he, he came out of Conver convert and started drinking, do you think?
4: Well, he showed me a text message on his phone and it was from his dad. And his dad had mentioned that, look, can't take this anymore it's it's interfering with our with our with our marriage and everything else because like addiction or mental health in general it has a ripple effect yeah it's not just affecting the person who's going through it it's affecting the loved ones the friends the support system if there's one there it it affects everyone it's yeah it's it's horrendous you know and i think i get lots of phone calls from from parents of teenagers who you know and they're they're all about their child basically that they're in suffering in, in some way shape or form and i asked them you know we we could be on the phone for an hour we'll chat for 55 minutes about their child but i at the very last 5 minutes i go but what about you
1: yeah i know we but do, i suppose so the text is an example of the fact that his parents probably still love him but just can't do this anymore it's having too much of an I impact on the rest
4: of him i said that to him i said look i said that message came straight from love and that sounds like someone who had to prioritize In some way, shape, or form, and has been struggling with it for so long.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But he's if he's looking for a sign, he's looking for some kind of a miracle or intervention. But like that's not going to happen, is it?
4: Well, I I would say that there is a possibility of it happening. Yes, I always say that recovery is
1: possible. Like a miracle, though. I mean, it's not as if he's you know going to get get kind of divine intervention uh, and wake up one morning and be cured. Like, is there?
4: Well, that's what you can't happened to it eventually. himself. Yeah, it? no, that's what happened to me. I mean, I had, when it came to the 31st of October 2016, the day I began my recovery, I remember looking in the mirror at myself and saying, like, I brought up everything that I had done, everything that I had experienced. I sat there in front of that mirror crying for nearly an hour and a half. And yeah. there and then I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't, because I'm a parent, and I was a parent at that point. And I said I need to be there for my daughter because the path that I was going, Neil, would have led to me not being here anymore if I kept going. You know, so I did need a miracle, and it it is miraculous based off of my story and what I've been through, and to be where I am right now. I don't kind of see it like that fully, but anyone who's heard my story can say like that's a
1: miracle. Like how? But well, how that is how, how is it, it a how is it a miracle? I mean, surely it was you did it.
5: Yeah, it is. It's a miracle, yeah. so
1: when other people do it for you, or God does it, or Jesus does it, or you manifest it, or the universe does it. How, do, how did you yes. not do it? Again,
4: that comes down to someone's beliefs, because I don't believe I was in that on my own. And I'm not, like, I'm not religious. I don't believe in organized religion. i have nothing against it. It's just not for me. But I do believe in something bigger than me out there that is also with me on this journey and supporting me in some way, shape, or form. That's why I think it's a miracle. I, I, again, I'm not, like, I wouldn't go to Mass every Sunday, I'm not, and about even the term God, but I'm saying something out there is always out there to support and guide us yeah. on some level, I yeah.
1: feel. I mean, what was, so what was your life like then, uh, the episode with the mirror and an hour and a half just crying and saying I can't do the same anymore? Before that, what was your life like?
4: Yeah, well, like I had three suicide attempts, I had nine psychiatric ward stays, I ended up homeless. Um, I was on 16 tablets for my men- mental health alone. I was diagnosed with a mood disorder. I had numerous self-harm attempts uh, where one of them was uh, so severe that they were talking about amputation of my hand. I had destroyed every God, relationship I had right. been in. I wasn't allowed to see my daughter temporarily. I mean, the list is endless, you know. That's, that's where I was at that point.
1: And that was, that, was, that a, was that an alcohol addiction?
4: No, there was drugs as well, right. and uh, self-harm as well was a bit of an uh, addiction as well, yeah. in all forms. So, so, so you, did I look, you, what, did, what I was did, actually, Neil, what I was actually, what I feel that I was truly addicted to was destroying Graham, self-destruction. And alcohol, drugs, self-harm, um, you know, toxic relationships, all this stuff played a part in me destroying myself. Did you not like yourself? Myself. No, I hated myself. Why? What was there to hate? Because I blamed myself for something that I had experienced um, when I was young and that was actually not my fault at all and mm. it took me years of therapy to come to that realisation and the second I did when I was working with that professional I came to the realisation that hang on a minute this isn't my fault and for me to even question that experience that I had that was enough for me to start thinking differently, acting differently, and moving forward differently.
1: Must have been sad to walk away from him, though. You know, not being able to, you know... After you had a conversation with him on the train, you can't help him anymore.
4: No, I can't. And that's where, Neil, like, I had to just trust that he is on his journey um, and what will be will be for him. And it it wasn't easy for me to come to that. But I this goes for everyone we cannot save the world as much as we want to we can only ever save ourselves and the amount of people out there um, that are going through addiction or or mental health suffering or whatever whatever form it comes in is the numbers are absolutely crazy right
2: yeah
4: yeah. you know what I mean and I had to pull back and just reflect on that and and wish him genuinely the best in his life from my heart and that's all I could do in that moment and leave him go you know yeah
1: and hope um, for the best.
4: Obviously, I wish for the best outcome for him and for everyone, anyone who's even listening right now, that to let them know that uh, a good outcome is possible. You know, once we start having that support system, know that we're not in it on our own and take everything a day at a time, regardless of what
1: we're going through. Uh, have a listen to this before I let you go. I'm uh, hoping this message yeah. finds you well. I'm writing today as my last resort to save my sister's life. Unfortunately, at 22 years old, my sister is addicted to heroin and has been for the last three years addicted to heroin. We have called every doctor, drug counsellor, youth worker, went to every single appointment possible to try and get this girl help. Uh, she has begged and pleaded for a chance to go to treatment, is always told, you need to be clean for a certain amount of time. She gets to that time then, uh, then it's, you need to be on X amount of methadone. Then it's gradually built up and up and up. There's always some setback after the next. It feels like these doctors don't understand how precious and fragile these weeks of clean time actually is. She's given clean urines for weeks on end, hoping for her chance. Then to have it thrown up, uh, thrown more hoops in front of her, and they wave a methadone prescription at her over her head. Then to be met with people offering her drugs outside of these clinics she goes to for help, which I've seen myself when I go with her. Can you imagine that you come out of the clinic trying to get clean and they're offering you drugs. Uh, I now see a constant battle to get help for people in addiction. Uh, I now finally understand why so many people never get clean and lose their lives to drugs. It's so hard mentally and physically for these people, and to be pushed from pillar to post is making it so much harder and so sad to watch. After going to numerous places with her and her doing everything she possibly could to get the treatment, I realized that she's only a paycheck to these doctors in drug abuse clinics. After five weeks clean, latching on to the hopes of treatment, which never came Unfortunately, she relapsed worse than ever. We're worried about her as she's so young and vulnerable. We're her family. We've tried everything for her. And she always tries herself, but she knows that she needs long-term treatment away from the family area with proper care and help. She always tries her hardest to kick this addiction, but it's impossible on her own. She's still here. She's still herself. She doesn't want to be an addiction and never got a chance at life. And she's only 22. Perhaps there's someone who could please save my sister's life before she's another soul lost forever. What do you think of that?
4: I feel so much for that young girl to be, first of all, that age, to have her whole life ahead of her and to be gripped by addiction so much. But the main point is, is that she is trying, she is willing. And it's absolutely not her fault. Yeah, but, she's, re- yeah, but
1: she's, she's relapsed because she can't get a place. Yeah,
4: and that's where I'm going with this, Neil, is that this system, it's the system's fault. If someone is ready for change and there's no support there for her, or if they're putting in these these this criteria that she has to meet that's to tick this box, that's
1: absolutely horrendous why do you need to be clean well. for like what is it six weeks or whatever sure if you can do that you don't need treatment do you
4: not necessarily it depends on the intensity of the addiction for that person um, for some six weeks and, and, and even just shorter than that and sometimes longer that could be all they have in them at this moment and to get into the, the system there that would be fantastic for them yeah if did you, you can do it for six weeks doesn't mean that you can do it forever okay, um, yeah. did you run up debt I would have, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Sub- have.
4: Substantial debt? Yes, I would have, yeah. I had to give uh, a car that I had away at one point, yeah. You had to
1: give a car away?
4: Yeah. I had to give the car that I had to someone because I owed so
1: much money. But this is clearly dealers, then, was it? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. 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 Here's one for you. First time ever writing to a radio station, contacting you out of desperation at the state services employed to help families in crisis like mine. In my area, there are at least ten families that have kids aged between twelve and eighteen who are in debt to drug dealers. One family had to pay thirty thousand euro over to five different drug pushers last week alone. Can you believe that a family in Cork last week paid thirty grand to five dealers?
4: I know of someone in a very similar situation as well, and he this this he's basically a young man. He's in his late teens. Um, had to pay a substantial amount of money. To keep these people away, and also that young man is probably looking at years ahead of him in, in prison.
1: But it's the family a lot of the time have to pay the debt. Why? Why would the family pay? What are the threats if you don't pay? Ah, you, look, that that depends on the person who is
4: offering those threats and the lengths that they'll go to, based off their attachment to what they feel is their money.
1: And how yeah. they they're I not know. idle threats, I'd say, though, are they, Graham? No, they're not.
4: You look look, it's it's a fool's game. You know what I mean? Inside, in the middle of all that. Um, yeah, look, I suppose you can kind of put, you can put your own kind of thoughts to that, but it's not, I'm not wishing them happy birthday anyway. Let's say.
1: Absolutely, you're 100% right when you say that. Because the dealer owes the money to somebody else up the food chain, don't they?
4: Yeah, they do, yeah. There's, it's, it is a food chain, it is that. There's hierarchies, there's this, there's that. Um, but at the end of the day, I've never met a dealer with a heart who gives a,
1: SHIT about I know what one, you're you know? saying I know what you're saying right listen I'll let you plough on I'll read out that full email after the ad break but look after yourself Graham. thanks for chatting
4: no bother Neil thanks a really. much.
1: all the Chat best pal text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. back after the break
2: get it off your chest Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104 OK. Red FM. In
1: my area, there are at least 10 families that have kids aged between 12 to 18 who are in debt to drug dealers. One family had to pay €30,000 over to five different drug pushers last week. The kids are being given drugs to stash by dealers who are at least twice their age. When the Gardaí raid the houses and find the stash, the dealers then look for the lost revenue from the drugs. Um, When the children can't pay, the parents are intimidated into paying for them. If we are late in coughing up the cash, our lives are threatened and our property is damaged. That answers my question. You have no idea how bad it is out there. The dealers deal with impunity. There are several kids now buying their deal online and the stuff is dropped off an hour or two later. Much like ordering a pizza. The guardi are aware of the social media accounts that are being used and still they don't seem to act. My child has broken the law on many occasions in various ways and is very violent at times. I regularly check my home for drugs as I will not tolerate anything like this. I have resorted to locking myself in my bedroom for my own protection because of my child's violent outbursts. I often hear on your show the parents being blamed for their child's actions. Uh, People need to stop blaming us parents. They need to stop putting us under such immense pressure as parents. We are tearing our hair out and the Gardaí and services are turning a blind eye. Doors are closed in my face every time I look for help because I don't have private health insurance. We are left to deal with this on our own. There's nothing I wouldn't do to have my kids taken away for treatment and taken away from drug dealers. I don't know how much more of this I can take, my child wasn't rare to turn out like this. They've come from a loving family. Contacted the guardie with enough information to take this scum off the streets, but they don't appear to me to be acting on it. We need to sit up and act, help us clean the streets of these nasty, vile people. But the paperwork seems too much for them to act on, and decent thing to work with communities is what they should be doing to protect and to serve. Don't give them my details. I constantly fear for my life if this would get traced back to me. Um... This is somebody who is paying dealers and is one of at least 10 families that they know of with kids aged between 12 and 18 who are in drug debt to drug dealers. There was one part of that email actually. All of it interested me, obviously, on YouTube. But the bit about kids now who can buy whatever they want online. If you thought you were meeting some guy with a rucksack uh, down on Dawn Square or what have you for a deal or down a laneway, yeah, you can do, but it doesn't have to be that way. You just need to go on to Instagram. Seamus Whelan has been doing a lot of work on this in the recent past as to what you can buy online that will be delivered probably faster than a pizza and joins me by phone. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And these are social media accounts that sell drugs online, whatever you want, from crack cocaine to heroin to even kids' sweets laced with drugs, is it?
0: It is, and uh, like anything and everything in between, uh, like you can get uh, skittles, a bag of skittles. You can get a bag of nerds or a bag of Quinder, uh, Kinder Bueno sweets, all laced with uh, THC, which is the psychoactive part of cannabis. Um, and then there's there's other stuff. You could get um, Xanax or 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 any drug you, you you'd like and it's all delivered
1: to your door. Okay, so the Xanax Um, and all that stuff, that's your prescription stuff, right? On top of that, Mm. then, you can get the the laughing gas, nitrous oxide, you can get the hippie juice. It's known as hippie juice, isn't it? It comes in the canister. Yeah, you you like it's
0: sold legally for dental practices and med, medically used in the medical field, and it's also used for filling hot air or filling uh, filling uh, But um, there's a, uh, there's one account I've come across in Cork that's selling um, two canisters fairly cheaply, and it is dangerous stuff. And um, there, if you inhaled it longer than is probably recommended, and um, you you could end up either brain dead or or kill yourself. I think there was a case there recently in Liverpool where a, ch- a child's uh, lung uh, burst from inhaling this oh uh, this glass God. And gas.
1: Oh, so back to the sweets for a moment, if you don't mind. They're laced these sweets with the equivalent of the n bomb, aren't they? Um, they, they
0: they would be yes, and um, like. Uh, I there's one account I've come across online Um, a bag of a bag of sweets has been sold for 40 euros Um, I've been offered a gram of heroin for 60 euros or three and a half grams for 200 euros and that will all be delivered to my door no um, I got a, I got all this kind of really kicked off during the pandemic Um. All the, all the deals went online but like it, it's so blatant and so out in the open I can't understand why nothing has been done about it so I contacted uh, Facebook who are the owner company for Instagram where some of these uh, deals are going down and the majority of them are being done over Snapchat uh, via um a secure app that you need to download uh, the you messages, did all of
1: that incidentally quite straightforward didn't you
0: it it is yes um like the 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 app that i was told to download um the messages only stay there for 6 days they disappear you can't screen record it you can't screenshot it so in the in the dealer's mind it's it, it it's a secure platform but it doesn't stop you from taking another phone and, and recording what's on your screen. Yeah. Um, which is what you did
1: it, and we have screenshots of everything is, that was an offer. In fact, we have screenshots yeah. of the banter back and forth with you and the dealers, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And like um I kinda ghosted him then for the last week or so but he's still coming back to me, kinda question mark is the deal still on? Yeah. Uh but like there You yeah, long fingered him once
1: or twice saying I'm waiting for payday kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, but like last night I just sat down because I wasn't happy with the response that I got from Facebook. But it's They they were saying that 96% of the pages um, are removed very quickly once they go up. Um, And I did find another report that said that they, between November and December of last year, they removed 1.4 million pieces of drug sale content. Um, Now, what they've done is that they've put in an acronym, they they put into the system something that will identify anything that's drug-related, hashtags or or photographs, so they say. So last night, I sat down and I decided to do a bit of my own research. And uh, within five minutes, I found half a dozen uh, pages that are active since 2021 and selling away. And they were all cork-based. All cork-based, all Cork-based. One guy will deliver to my door within half an hour to an hour. How will Anything he do that?
1: I does, what, what will happen? You transfer the money, is it? And he rocks up in a car, or how, how does it arrive? Pretty much so.
0: Um, you you basically transfer the money. Whether you can trust trust that it's a legitimate account or not, but like everything that I've gone through in the last couple of weeks would suggest
1: that the guy I'm dealing with is legitimate. Do they have customer now, reviews up on the pages?
0: Um no, uh, it, it, it's just basically okay, okay. Uh, what, so, what what I have is they that they would have their page on Instagram and they'd advertise their Snapchat and they'd advertise this other app that you need to That's download. That's right, the next stage
1: in the, in, the, in the trade is moving from Instagram onto another page and then arriving at your door will be uh, a bag of heroin or a gram of cocaine or yeah. uh, the sweets as you're saying or Ease, mm. bobs, antidepressants whatever you want. So is it any wonder that the email that I got from the family were paying drug dealers said that the dealers act with impunity? They're, they've moved online.
0: Yeah, uh, no. I I spoken to a number of uh, youth workers, and they tell me that it, it is it is pretty bad out there. Now, uh, interesting in listening to what Graham was saying to you earlier that the system is broken. The system is one hundred and ten percent broken because what the youth workers are telling me is that there's no education part there. They're not edu- kids aren't educated in. Uh, drugs or what these drugs can do. The information is only there when they come looking for it, yeah. when they need it. But parents um, need to
1: know about the access through uh, Instagram and Snapchat. Because as I well, said, they, the days of meeting somebody on the corner with a rucksack and doing a quiet little deal uh, in, the, in the in the you know little dark area in alleyway—they're they're well gone for a lot of people now. They're just ordering up. What oh, they tot- want. Like, like you get a pizza.
0: Yeah, to- totally.
1: Like the the situation here is that. So,
0: uh, appear, according to youth workers that parents are trusting their children too much Like they they give them their own privacy when they're interacting online and they're saying that they're seeing a lot of kids that have issues now with, with drink and that then leads them on to the softer drugs and then into the the harder drugs like you had that 22 year old this morning, she started on heroin when she was 17 So like and what they're saying is that the the, the parents are kind of turning a blind eye to the kids when they're drinking because that's harmless. We did that when we were younger, but they're not monitoring it. So like what I'm also being told is that there is a lack of um, support or services there. Uh, There's also um, the drug liaison officers and the Gardaí also are very much under resourced. Um so they're finding it difficult to, to catch up on everything that's happening. Um So a guard, like the
1: Guardian could never trace these guys because they um can just shut down the account, is it? They're not traceable. Uh why why wouldn't they be able to find them though? Because they'd have the initial link on Snapchat, wouldn't they the initial link on Facebook. Well,
0: well they could do what I what I've been doing and, and conversing with with uh, with one of these so called drug dealers and catch, and, him in and the catch them in the sting, uh, catch them in the sting. Like there, like last year when I was on McCurtain Street, uh, doing the doing the stuff with the the, the homeless um fl- playing a sight, you could see the the dealing on the street on on Social Welfare Day. No guards, no no guards in sight. Um, I believe the same thing happens down around the GPO. On, on social welfare day, they're up and down the lines. You also have up on Wellington Road where there's three schools p- dealing quite open in, in 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 the day, going up and down the street, and not a garden site. And are they around because schools? Inten- are they
1: around schools intentionally? I would assume so. Yeah. And well, why like, wouldn't they be? I, they're they're there for football, footfall, aren't they?
0: Yeah, like I I know of one particular area. In Wellington Road, that, that's known for, for, de- for, for dealing. Uh, quite a lot of the, the homeless would go up there and get their deals. Um, and it's on a, st- a stretch road
1: where there's, I think, three schools there. Isn't there something very sinister, though, about sweets, chocolates and, um, you know, sugary jellies and stuff being sold it, it's to children?
0: Basically, they're, they're, they're marking it, marking it, or sorry, marketing it to younger kids. It's clear and obvious.
1: And why you the, would the parents not be picking up that their kids are coming on uh, out of their heads?
0: I don't know. To be honest, Neil, I don't know. Do parents parent anymore? Um, like I know, uh, quite a lot of us do, but like then there there's those that that will uh, leave the kids their own device.
1: Yeah, but the email that I read out from the families paying up to thirty grand to five different pushers said, "Stop, de- stop judging us, stop blaming us, parents, uh, stop putting us under even more pressure. We're tearing our hair mm. out with our children anyway. You know they are trying."
0: You know? Yeah, and uh, like I, I heard that. Yeah, and there, and and no supports there for them. And what, unless you had medical insurance,
1: what would happen if you didn't? Do you have any idea as to what happens if uh, if a guy or a girl runs up a drug debt that they can't pay, and the dealer comes calling on the family? Uh, there are threats. Clearly, are there?
0: There are. Like property would be damaged. Maybe the wing mirrors, your car would be blown off. Maybe the, the your windows would be blown in. Um. They, and that's just the initial threat. Maybe the the, the child would be um, attacked then um, by by the dealers. Because you have to understand, these twelve and fourteen year olds who are caught in this cycle now are being beaten up by the sixteen, seventeen year olds because somebody further up the up the food chain is 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 putting pressure yeah. on them, and yeah. they're being beaten up.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, uh, right up to we'll burn you we'll burn you in with your house we'll burn you inside your house kind of stuff I mean I know yeah. of, I know of families and I've heard recently of families who are just leaving trying to either get transfers or just leaving the uh, housing estates that they've lived in for many years because they can't take it anymore
0: yes and I've also heard of a situation where um a young fella actually ended it all uh, because of a massive drug debt and his parents didn't realise that he had a drug debt and he came from a, a, a very well to do family no not saying that it, 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 it's just well to do families that are stuck in this, in this mm. uh, crisis mm. but I would assume if that child went to their parents and said look this is what's happened they'd have easily found the cash to, to, get, to, to pay off the dealers and,
1: and, and, and the debt keeps going it. up doesn't it the longer it's unpaid does it keep climbing
0: well, do you remember last year we had a guy Thomas that was speaking t- to you? He had he'd run up uh, a drug debt to a number of of dealers, and it it just it was a small small amount he owed, but it kept building and building because every day that you don't pay up, there's an extra hundred or there's an extra hundred and fifty added on.
1: Good God, Good oh God! I just can't get it out of my head. Twelve families, uh, kids aged between twelve and eighteen. Uh, paying drug dealers, and one in particular, €30,000 to five different pushers that the family have to pick up the debt.
0: And I'd I, I'd say they needed needed to remortgage the house to do that. you know, putting themselves in more debt. All
1: right, okay. Um, if nothing else, it's allowing people to be aware of uh, what is available to everybody, particular to young people and to minors online on the like likes they, of Instagram they, and Snapchat. But they
0: should they should be monitoring their kids' accounts. They they should like I I think there's a nap out there that will mirror what uh, what their kids are browsing because i I know you want to give them their own independence and 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 be able to fend for themselves, but you need to know what exactly your kids are doing online and and monitor what they're doing and have that talk about the effects of drink and drugs because like they, in You could turn around in the morning and tr- find out that they've got an, uh, an addiction issue, mm. like, like that woman in your email, mm. and can't get the help anywhere. They could end up with that 22-year-old uh, who started at the age of 17 and, and strung out in heroin and can't get off it. So, like, there there needs to be open conversations about the... I suppose, drink and drugs, and it also needs to be brought into the schools as well.
1: Yeah, it's a very open and honest email. I've resorted to locking myself in my bedroom for my own protection because of my child's violent outbursts. That's incredible. And
0: I I, I bet there's a lot more to that email that that individual would have wanted to put in, Mm. but was afraid that they'd be identified. And not only the son or the daughter or whoever it is would be down on top of them it would have be, it, it been the dealers
1: as well. That's true, that's true. Thanks for the coverage. Uh, appreciate the work done on that, Seamus. Take care, talk soon. Cheers, Seamus no Wheelahan. Take care, text 0868-104-106. Call's on the way.
2: Talk to Neil Prenderbill now. 818
1: Cork's Red FM. Text 868 What, in the name of God, are the Greens doing flying business class anywhere? What, in the name of God, is any politician doing flying business class anywhere? It's the taxpayer has to pay for business class or for any flight or any transport costs. It's just not acceptable. I want to say thank you to Brian because I couldn't work out why are carbon emissions so much higher in business class right and the greens going on about climate warming and carbon emissions and look what they're doing flying business class internationally brian says the reason carbon emissions are three times higher on business class is likely linked to the area the space given to that passenger it's three times more than a standard seat carbon per airline is divided by passenger numbers and space you're absolutely right fair play to you when you say it to me like that it makes perfect sense. And thank you for it. Uh, meanwhile, morning, Neil. Please don't give up my details. If you do, there will be fallout. But uh, a 50-year-old man returned home from hospital, having received an aggressive cancer diagnosis to be greeted by two fellas demanding €10,000, his son's drug debt. We were not aware that, it has, that he has paid in excess of €50,000 to repay his son's other drug debts already. He has since been targeted again for even more money. Such is the pressure he's been told that the collectors will shoot his son. (coughs) We are beyond despair for both the cancer diagnosis and the previously unknown drug addictions and drug deaths. These collectors and dealers are very respectful adults in our community, a subculture we were completely unaware of. Gardi are unable to help, even though the parents' family home... Sheds, crops have all been threatened by fire if the father doesn't pay up. Incidentally, this is not in the city, but in a very rural, sleepy village in Cork. No help for us. Please don't give out my details. Isn't that incredible? Another example, and this is an actual ongoing case to history of a family who've been targeted for the drug deaths of a son. 50 grand paid and another 10 grand now needs to be paid. We'll pick it up after 10. Text 0868 I'm Rory.
5: And I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench.
6: That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off
2: your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville show now.
1: 0868104106 Red FM. And people are texting 868104106 106. Um, on the topic of drug use in our youth at present No matter what way you slice it, dice it or chop it up We as a nation have completely lost control of the youth of this country Not all, but some Don't fear anyone or anything Zero respect for the rest of society And do what they want, when they want They've been dragged up, you see Not brought up, things have changed so much And our nanny state that we've created Allows them to get away with whatever they please there are repercussions. No, there are no repercussions anymore. And Garda are concerned with catching the law-abiding citizens trying to go about their everyday life than dealing with these thugs, tulls and scumbags. Using drugs now is as common as eating lunch. When will we wake up and realize there is a pandemic dem- pandemic in this country which is the drug culture, which is worsening by the day. And I honestly don't think the majority of people realise realize how bad it is. Can't come on the air at work. And that by text to 0868104106. There's another one then that spoke of uh, dealers. Yeah, uh, the drug dealers are showing up at funerals, you know, looking for drug debts to be paid. The debts never go away. A Dublin gang comes down to give out a warning pay up or else. So what is the or, or else part of it? Uh, obviously, threats and menace uh, to people's health and safety, their lives and their property. So I'm to chat for a while with uh, Michael Gearin, the Addiction Counselor at Coon Just on that topic, we may stray into other areas, but certainly on that topic. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Do you come across as part of the treatment of people who um, are in your care, of the stories of parents and families paying drug debts?
5: Yes, it wouldn't be at all unusual for us, Neil, to come across people um, who would access treatment and during the course of that time we would have a conversation with their family who would raise the issue of money that is owed to drug dealers where drug dealers would have called to them and explained to them that because of your son or your daughter's behaviour you now owe us X amount of money. And their their tone, as you said, tends to be quite um, menacing and creates a lot of fear in people. And people are then conflicted as to what is the best thing to do. They wonder, on the one hand, should they pay them, or on the other hand, should they go to the Guardian and report the fact that they have been um, threatened by these people? Mm-hmm. And very and very often, people will opt to pay because. The Simple reason being, they feel if they report it to the Garda and go the official route, that the intimidation and the threats and that the actual carrying out of these threats could become worse by virtue of the fact that they have brought the law into.
1: Okay, so the conversation is because of a family member. You now owe us the money. And if you don't, this is what's going to happen, A, B, C. Is Did they, they tell them what the threats yes, are?
5: Yes, there have been cases I have known of where they, they have been very descriptive as to how they will act should they not be paid.
1: Uh, can you give examples of that?
5: Well, I mean, I've heard of people in, in the past where threats have been made to burn cars, um, to assault people, um, and, I, and in extreme cases, and if you have heard of threats, ...being made to burn houses. No, thanks be to God this didn't happen. Uh, but they certainly would make threats along those lines.
1: So, in the, in the in conversations that I've had from time to time in the past, one of them springs to mind of where they'd be brought to uh, a country area uh, on the side of the road and a bullet would be put in their head. Is that an idle threat?
5: Well, I, I mean, thanks be to God I have never been party to any of these threats having been carried out to that extremity. Um... But I I wouldn't say it was idle And certainly if somebody made a threat Against me of that nature I would be taking it very seriously
1: Okay, so when they say We'll burn your car Or indeed we'll torch your house Does that happen then?
5: Well, I mean, uh, uh, I have seen cases where people have paid over substantial amounts of money to avoid that stress being put on themselves and other family members.
1: Okay, okay.
5: And where and would I they do- get
1: that... Let's like, say, for instance, the email this morning that talks of 30,000 euro being paid by one family to five different pushers last week alone. Where do they find that money?
5: Well, you see, Neil, the, the only two ways in which somebody could find a sum of money like that is either A, they have it, or B, they borrow it. Um, the, 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 now, now, I'm only speculating here. I know nothing about finances as such, but that is the only two ways in which somebody could come up with 30000
1: at short notice. And, they, and the two options are either pay it or go to the guards. What deters them reporting it to the guardie?
5: Well, I suppose the concern about reporting it to the Gardaí is that the Gardaí will identify the individuals who are seeking the money and then take steps against them and that as a result of that reporting, that the, the the level of intimidation and the level of threat and maybe the level of violence will escalate as a result of
1: the fact that this person <laughs> got gotcha. contacted the guard. Gotcha. So that's petrol on the fire, if you like.
5: Exactly. And I've seen parents and family members agonise about this because on the one hand they do not want to be putting money into the hands of people who sell drugs because it's totally against what they believe in and particularly down to the fact that they have a family member who has been affected in such a way but on the other hand they fear the repercussions of going to the Garda.
1: yeah so um in in the past, I have, and this is not in any way critical of garda shikana but I've also had conversations with people where even members of the Garda have recommended to family members to pay the debt.
5: Yeah, I've never heard of a case of that, but I could see how that would
1: be the case. In the sense that they're saying what you're saying. If you report this to us, if we investigate this, we cannot guarantee your safety. It may be a better option to pay up.
5: Yeah. And I, as you said, it is no reflection on the guardy. and again going back to the email that you read out earlier in the show where the young lady is looking to access treatment and is struggling to do so. I don't think the public actually realise the the amount or, or the, the, the vastness of this problem is such that Gardaí and frontline workers like myself dealing with people who have drug problems are absolutely snowed under. Such is the weight of
1: the problem. But why does she have to uh, be clean for six or eight weeks, Michael? One would think that if she did, she wouldn't need counselling or treatment.
5: I absolutely agree. And I have known wonder without, and first of all, I'm not commenting on any individual case. And second of all, I know nothing about this young lady, apart from what I've heard in, in the email that you read out. But I mean, we are one of the organisations that actually does on-site detox. So we can take people with some preparatory work um, and detox them and safely withdraw them from what they are using. Other centers, you need to be clean, which which sometimes um, puzzles me, because if it was possible for the person to get clean on the outside, again, like you said, you wonder, too, they need to go to treatment at all. Mm
1: -hmm. She's 22 uh, with a heroin addiction that started at the age of 17. Is that is that outside the norm or would you hear of that? that young?
5: Not particularly. We're meeting people all of the time in their early 20s who would tell us that their drug taking started um, underage and they would have started experimenting with substances that were lower down in the hierarchy than heroin at the ages of 14 and 15. And incidentally, Neil, to go back to Seamus's piece there that he did, it will nearly almost always tell you they did so while under the influence of alcohol. So I think that you know if we're, if we're the looking, gateway
1: a lot of the time, right?
5: Yeah, if we're looking for a root cause here, not necessarily a gateway drug, but something that young people do on a regular basis that lowers their inhibitions gotcha. to the point that they yeah. will start messing with, with various things. So,
1: are you aware of the online purchase of anything you want through Instagram and Snapchat, including uh, you know you know sweets and, and chocolate laced with uh, with amphetamines?
5: Well, the clients I would meet would be gone well beyond the sweets and chocolate phase, but they would regularly make reference to Snapchat as a, a platform that they use to communicate with people from whom they buy drugs. So that's not at all unusual at this stage.
1: Yeah, but it's it seems as if they're doing it with impunity. They set up, and you can buy anything, incidentally. You can get a gram of heroin delivered, a gram of cocaine delivered. You can have an E delivered. The N-bomb can be delivered. prescription medication will be delivered faster than a pizza right now right now
5: yeah but I I think Neil yes impunity I I understand where you're coming from when you say that but I, I do think the scale of the problem and I don't think anybody understands the extensive complex nature of the drug distribution network in Cork and for that matter all over Ireland in that there are so many people, and going back to what you were talking about earlier on, when young people start to use, um, they because they can't afford the drugs, they unwittingly become part of the distribution network because they are asked to store drugs and distribute drugs and that kind of thing in order to feed their habit. Mm. And very often when the Gardaí go out and make a successful arrest of somebody who is carrying an amount of drugs that would be considered to be possession with intent to supply. They are merely arresting somebody who is a foot soldier, and in the grander scheme of things, really isn't a player. And that well.
1: foot soldier, one of the texters said that that foot soldier then, who's had, who's been raided, still owes the debt to the dealer. Correct. And then and the that, family have to pay. Yeah, I understand. It's you're cotton, you're cotton, you're really cotton claws, aren't you?
5: You are. And more importantly than that, Neil, that foot soldier as we describe them, there are probably another 10 people waiting to take his or her place if he gets taken out by virtue of a raid or a criminal prosecution or whatever goes on with the Garda.
1: I was looking at research there this morning. You know, I know we talk about the issues that we have with, say, alcohol in this country. But when you look, I don't know whether you've seen this research, is the top 10 European countries with the highest rate, rates of alcoholism we're not in the top 10. Um, Hungary's first, then Belarus, Latvia, Poland, Austria, Lithuania, Sweden, Switzerland, Finland, the UK. And we're 11th. Um, it may be bad, but there are countries a lot worse. Do we, do we beat ourselves up too much about it?
5: Um, I, I haven't seen a piece of research in actual fact. The last piece of research I would have seen, um, alcohol consumption per capita per year was falling. Um, and we have moved down the European League table somewhat I think the manner in which we drink is quite harmful so I think simply looking at the litres per capita per year is a little bit misleading in that
1: respect in the sense Um, that they really can't identify um,
5: well you can look at the amount of alcohol that's purchased and divided by the population and come up with a figure but the big problem in Ireland is binge drinking and drinking to harmful levels and that creates more problems than necessarily the amount of drink we are taking over the course oh, of the Oh, I see. So Canada. we may be
1: 11th on the league table, but we may have more hospital and A&E emissions and more people in treatment.
5: Exactly. Gotcha. Well, drinking is harmful in nature. And the other thing I feel, Neil, that amongst the younger generations, there could be more of a shift to illicit drugs, particularly and, cocaine. And, and do you
1: talk to those young people when they come in for Dreamland as has to how it all started? And if so, did they say, because everyone's doing it, it's just normal now.
5: Yes. And I I suppose that young people feel pressure um, to be part of the, the dynamic and the group in which they hang around. And if drinking is the norm in that group, well, then they feel that they must do it as well in order to be seen as normal, because adolescence is a very critical time in somebody's life. And it's not necessarily a time in their life where they want to be seen as standing out from the crowd. No, but
1: you probably wouldn't mind them at a certain age, maybe uh, experimenting with, uh, you know, alcohol. I mean, I don't mean mean burning liquor now, for instance. I'm talking about beer, as as it used to be back in the day. You probably wouldn't be too worried about that, but you would be about N-bombs or coke or heroin.
5: Yes, absolutely. But the concern is, Neil, when young people start to take alcohol um underage which is probably the norm in this country at this stage because there is such an absence of education about other things that they will come in contact with that being under the influence is causing a domino effect and it's causing them to do other things which are really more concerning than the drinking i think anyway Mm, mm.
1: Listen, I don't mean to jump any cues or lists or anything, but if I send on this email to you from this uh, this girl with regards to her heroin addiction at the age of 22, could you take a look at it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. We'll be do, delighted I, 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 don't know, I don't need you to make any promises or anything, but she has asked me to intervene and she says, um, I'm writing to you in the utmost hope that someone out there can please save my sister's life before she's another soul lost forever. So I would like to do that if possible.
5: Yeah, sure, Neil, that's no problem at
1: all. Thanks as always, Michael. Great to have you on the end of the phone. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Michael Gear, and the Addiction counsellor with Coon Viris. So if you are listening to that young girl who sent me this email on behalf of her, her sister, hopefully there will be some light at the end of the tunnel and things will improve for her. And as you say, that she won't be another soul lost forever. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show
2: now, 0818-104-106, Red FM.
1: There's chances of being caught by a speed van faster, many people would say. A few men this morning have been received a speeding fine in the post after passing a speed van. Apparently, I was doing 56 in a 50 zone outside Blackpool. Them speed vans are very efficient, aren't they? The road is 60 all the way along, and then just as you go by Dulux, it turns from 60 to 50, And the speed van is just sitting there waiting for you. So if you're doing 60, you have two choices. Either slam on the brakes and brake check the car behind you, or do what I did and get caught for three penalty points and a hefty fine. I'm all for speed vans in dangerous parts of the road. But how can they say that these vans are for safety when they're forcing drivers to drive unsafely to avoid being caught? The whole thing smacks to me of underhandedness. Now, are these guys on commission or watch with the numbers that they can catch, can't come on the air? But I wonder if other listeners have been caught in the same way in other areas. Yes, they are very, very strategically positioned in areas like you've just described. And sometimes you don't get the chance to be able to drop the speed because the speed van is right on top of the zone reduction, if you like. I know what you're saying. And people say, oh my God, they're so efficient when they catch people doing 56 and a 50 and other things then with regards to criminality and law and order go unchecked. And I was saying earlier this morning that there are families in Cork, some Cork housing estates are so bad now with drug dealing and drug use uh, that law abiding good families are being forced out of their own homes and out of their housing estates where they were trying to rear their families. Part of that email is worth repeating um, with regards to the desperation that families are in crisis. Ten families, I mentioned this morning, with kids between 12 and 18 who are in, dread to, in debt to drug dealers, says one emailer. One family had to pay 30 grand to five different pushers last week. Many of the kid, children who owe these debts are being given the drugs to stash by the dealers. And then if there's a raid, as Michael Gearan was saying, if the Gardaí raid a house and find a stash, the dealers will still be looking for the money equivalent for the drugs that have been seized by the Gardaí. And when the children can't pay... It's the parents who are intimidated into paying. Um, we, uh, If we are late in coughing up the cash, our lives are threatened and our property damaged. You have no idea how bad it is out there and the dealers are dealing with impunity. Let me go to line six on this because Bill has an opinion. Bill, good morning. Hello girl. So what, what do you make of Hello. that? I was just recapping it just ahead of your own.
7: What, what would you do? Well, Neil, it's a very difficult situation. Um... <sighs> like i'm a i'm a very respectable person but i i i you know I have three kids that are grown up unfortunately they did not get into drugs we don't even smoke um we drink moderately um if, 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 it's basically down to a risk reward basis um like if if, if you're suddenly told that you owe some drug dealer thirty thousand euros um and you you don't really know that by paying it you're actually going to and finish the debt because they could come along the following week and say no, 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 and you actually owed just forty thousand. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Last week it was
1: last month it was thirty. Yeah. Now this month it's exactly. forty. Yeah,
7: it never ends, Neil. Um, like but I worked in the UK many years ago, I I had an armed robbery against me. I worked for a fast food company, and I'd gone to my head. And to be honest with you, I I was anxious, and I'm not trying to say, <laughs> don't downplay it, but I wasn't. That afraid, I'll be honest, I'm not afraid to die. I know that. I'm in wow. my I No, I'm not. A lot of people aren't afraid to die. Believe me, it's how you die that people are afraid of. Um, a friend yeah, of mine but it, died yeah, yeah, but last year yeah. in his sleep. And, you know, it was probably the best way to go. Like Shinzo Abe, he died instantly, more or less. It's the best way to go. The former
1: Japanese know. Prime Minister who was assassinated. Yeah.
7: We all know. die eventually. You yeah, know, but, yeah, but just on to, just on that you know, topic,
1: earth. that that is true. We we all do, in spite of our best wishes, not yeah. to. But it's you yeah. don't want to die too soon or too young.
7: No, 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 you don't. But if you're faced with a situation where you know you're seriously, even psychopathic criminals threatening you with that money, it's a situation like people were in in nine eleven when they're on the on the plane and they they knew they were going to die, and you know your back is to the wall. Um, and that's the situation I would see that as.
1: I, uh, I were you probably, in that situation yeah. when you had that gun to your
7: head? Yes, I had a gun to my head. It was a real gun. Four black fellows they burst into a um, fast food um, restaurant on, on a Sunday evening. I, I shouldn't have even been there, to be honest. I was an assistant manager. I just came down nice evening to do wages. In those days, we used to fax the wages off um, to okay. head office. So it wasn't all internet. Like the, well, there wasn't that, but yeah. Like, like, was it known that there was uh, cash
1: I, on the premises then of a substantial. Well, they didn't coin. get all
7: the cash. Okay. They got a very small amount, but it just showed, like, they're going to rob a place. Okay, so what's going, you head, what what, what's going through your head then?
1: What's going through your head when what there's a gun to it? My head? Well, a fella
7: burst into the office where I was, and at first, it does take a split second. You know, it's like they say your reaction in car instance is split second to react. <laughs> I actually thought, because we had some black people working for us, it was London, like, you know, um, and I thought it was a bit of a joke. You know, the balaclava's on. I kind of laughed at first, and then I realised, yes, yeah, there were three other guys outside with very long knives yeah, That would kill somebody, you know. Um very quickly um i and i basically a man came in spurting bad language which i won't repeat in your show mm-hmm. and give me the effing money and all the rest blah 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 I, and we a safe that you turn three ways one to the left one to the right one to the left and i missed it the third going a man ran the gun to the back of my head and he said give me the effing money straight away and i turned around to him and i said if you want your effing money you leave me alone and he got he was quite surprised at that he was young they, their intention wasn't to kill people, it was to rob the place, mm. and they didn't even do a good job of that. Mm. And basically, I handed him the, the, the cash tray, which had only a £100 deposit on it, and basically, at that moment, he actually had his gun facing the ceiling as he held onto the tray, and I tell you, I was very aware of what I could have done. And if I was by myself with him, he would have had a fist ramped at his head. He, I probably would have been out up for using undue force. Mm. Um, and you know but I didn't because there were, the rest of the staff were being held hostage mm. outside I mm. was very very aware of what I was doing and I gave him the money he did, They went out hushed us all to the back and then they started asking us to empty our, our um, pockets small amounts five pence ten pence and I just looked at one of them straight in the eye and I remember the look he gave me really hard look I said look for heaven's sake you have your money don't you and you just leave us alone now and they ran out the back then and myself and the supervisor, these guys had four routes to take. And me and him decided on two of the routes. And unfortunately we didn't um, we picked the two wrong routes, but we found a whole trail of coins.
1: You didn't pursue um, you didn't pursue people with a oh, gun. we did pursue them. With oh, a, yes, gun. Pursue them. a gun. They're carrying a gun. I mean, what would want, gun why would you want would you want to do it? It's not your money, it's insured. No, money. No, I going to talk, no, I wasn't gonna attack
7: No, I wasn't gonna attack them, but what I want to do was see the Reg number. Even if it a stolen car they'd still have to go some distance. We're trying to get information,
1: but it wasn't basically. your like. It wasn't your money, you know. Why, no, it like,
7: wasn't. But I, I, I'm very much, uh, I suppose, too much a man of principle in some ways. I don't you, care if it's my money or not. It was yeah. a wrong thing to do. They were threatening the staff who were working for me, and the supervisor was running the shift at the time. They were threatening us. They were also threatening me as well.
1: So with that gun to your head, was there any time you thought this is how I'm going to go? Yeah, I did.
7: <laughs> like we all uh, go near. I, I'm still here, you know. I do have a faith in life. I, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe in a God, to be honest. Like one of your, the guy you were talking to about drugs or said he wasn't sure when he implied that. Like, hey, well, he was talking there.
1: about, well, that was more to do with, the, with, the, with miracles, you know. Yeah. With
7: miracles, yes. And it's the same context. I, I do believe there is something helping us through life.
1: Whatever. but how did laugh. you I'm just I'm curious maybe I'm maybe I'm nosy but I'm curious as to what's going through your mind when you think that this guy desperate for money and you failing to open the safe he's going to shoot well, you in no, the head no, What's no, I going?
7: The safe. no I opened the safe no but there was a the time when there was the time a when time when you were struggling
1: and you th- but what's going through your head your mind but
7: there wasn't a lot going through it like I, I basically turned on him in annoyance really because I I, I just missed like with these safes that you missed you go a digit over or something you you have to start again so yeah you know i was pretty annoyed that i was doing the best i could to get him the rest of money so desperate push i I, that um you you know just leave me alone you'll get your money and the guy's Mm -hmm. money and the the way he even held it he had a clue really like holding his gun had wasn't pointing at me any longer um like many years ago i did fire guns in the fca when i was much younger so i have fired guns i've fired submachine guns and all i a much older version of the ones now, the old 3s old and that. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it, it's not like, we're all here for a purpose, you know. I, I believe in reincarnation as well, so I'm not, you know, I don't want to die. I do the best I can not to, but if it happens, it happens. And I believe I'm very much a faithist, I suppose. So, I... Uh, you know, What's the point, what
1: is the point in believing in you know? reincarnation, if you do come back, you never know that you were there before. You're, you have no connection with former lives. So reincarnation no, is a bit of a, bit of a cod really, isn't it? What well, yeah, that's job?
7: another day's discussion because some people do actually remember their previous lives. They do. Deja vu and all that. They do actually remember. And the, there's a, an, uh, there's a certain amount of proof. As they it, yeah, but
1: it would be a better thing if reincarnation mm-hmm. just picked up from where you died though, wouldn't it? Well, it, it does in one sense, I believe
7: it, it basically, you have lessons to learn. Um, you know, if you don't, I don't. I don't know. Like a, a extreme example would be, let's say you're a very arrogant rich person in this life. That maybe in the next life you come back in a much more humble position. You know, where you do have to watch every penny you spend. And yeah, you know, we have lessons to learn. Like, um, and we keep learning them as we come back. So, like you- the idea of only having one life, I find. I, I, I've always found, even as a kid, I found that a bit extreme. In the Catholic Church, it's. It's strongly rumoured that there are books hidden in the Vatican, which basically reveals they talk about reincarnation, but they've been purposely concealed because the Catholic Church doesn't want, they want to think that, oh, you have to be good in this life or else that's it.
1: Yeah, but there's something very arrogant, though, about believing in things like reincarnation, that we as a species would be, I mean, our do dogs have reincarnation? Cats, budgies, um, yes. rats? Yes, so, well, I, I don't know how far it goes down. To why should it be dependence. just us as a species? Like, if yes, God created we, everything, why are we the ones that reincarnate? Well, I'm not sure
7: if God did create everything. That, that's uh, the, that, my belief. I, I don't want to give you a whole day of discussion, but I, I, I'm not sure if God did create everything. Well, I mean, I'd love yeah. to
1: have, con- I'd love to talk on air with people who have had no, uh, uh, no. deja vu experiences or believe that they were reincarnated. Well, or can well, remember, I can remember, Bill, I'd spend an I, entire I, I morning. Morning, talking to people who had former lives, believe
7: me. Yes. Love it. Well, maybe maybe if you invited people on because there, there's an awful lot and I know the internet can be a load of rubbish but there's a lot in the internet of children. See, children remember it more because they, they, they're they closer to death. It, it up to, like there was one child nine years old which was quite a distance but their children are three or four years old who are only three or four years away from the other life, basically. Mm. And they do remember things. See, they, like one guy in one thing I saw even called his father a, a, a nickname that he has as a child that his father had called him. And he, the guy was astounded. How on earth did he know that? You know, and there are things like that. They, 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 you know, there, there's information about various parents. And also there was another girl to do with the Oklahoma bombings. And she was actually the reincarnation of someone who died in that. She was able to go back and identify exactly what happened, and the police didn't even have that information, or or they only had the very specific information that they hadn't released to the public.
1: I'm fascinated so, by all of that. I, you know, I really am. I'm, I'm fascinated I, about. I'm fascinated about people who say, "I, you know, I, I had a miracle. You know, I pr- I prayed for something, or I manifested something, or I asked the universe for help and I got it."
7: Well, there, there was a, a program. In, uh, okay, I don't know which it's true, and I haven't verified it but there was a little boy went into hospital with a brain tumor and he was only, I don't know, he was seven or eight years old and the, the the doctors um, operated on him and they did, (laughs) they didn't just find one big tumor. They found a massive pile of small tumors. And basically they said to the parents, they said, look, I'm very sorry. Your child is going to be dead, whatever, in a a week or whatever. And they prayed and they prayed. And a month later, that child walked out of that hospital. And the doctor interviewed, on the program I saw, he said, there are some things we just do not understand. They were baffled by it, were they? No, maybe it, that was a pure con, but I find it hard to believe. Okay, no,
1: you no, know, no, there they come. I mean, I, there's
7: I, an I, awful lot going on there, Neil, and why are some people... And there's another fellow, your will ego in Brazil, if you want to, back in the 60s, 70s, he did unbelievable miracles, and they were miracles from people using an unsterilized knife. Um, he he took cancer some people, he cured them of all types of things and the medical community he was actually put in jail because they couldn't accept, he wasn't a qualified doctor, he was an ordinary guy and he was reputedly um, taken over by the spirit of a doctor Fritz, this is all in line, it's well documented, he's been around for a long time and he spoke in a German accent and this guy you'll see, Ariegel, had never learned German in school, he had a very moderate education, he was a minor. He worked in some mine or iron ore mine, and he he, he he wasn't super, but he wasn't, you know, an academic or anything, and he was curing these people of all types of things. And there's an awful lot to this life that, you know, we were probably only get a small piece of the jigsaw when we eventually died. Okay,
1: okay. Um, you know? Just in the point yeah. of the, the robbery, were they ever caught incidentally? They, they were of course. Um, the supervisor
7: actually as what she could identify, like they uh, had very good okay. uh, you know balaclavas on, and there were four black children. It was like you know how do you identify like four white fellows? Anybody? It's very difficult. Um, as far as the drug dealers go, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you you
1: have a, yeah. you have a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister with a thirty grand drug debt that will be forty grand in August. What would you do yep. about it?
7: Um, I, I, I probably. I probably would weigh up the pros and cons of actually dealing with it myself. Now, I know there's a huge network, and you'll be drawing a gang war. There are all types of risks. Um, the guards can't seem to do very much, as I, I knew myself before even hearing, you know, what was said in your program not long ago. Um, they do the best they can. Like I can't understand why the guards don't entrap them all. There was a law against entrapment years ago. I remember in nightclubs they weren't allowed to go in or something, and I was playing for us cops and even catch them. But like, it,
1: ah, it but I think, I think I think they could they could much. operate undercover. I mean, I think that would be certainly oh admissible in a court of law. But your text said that you'd look for a hitman to clean up the mess.
7: Well, that, that was probably a, 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 I, I would weigh up the possibility yes, because I would be in a situation Neil to be honest where what is the worst.
1: Yeah, you know? but even if you did have a hitman and took out the person who was looking for the debt to be paid, I sound as if it's an episode from from Ozark. To be honest with you, but but no, the, but the, the debt you... doesn't go away. You you you've taken out a hit, you've got a hitman to take someone out, but somebody else will come looking for the debt then, and that'll be fifty. Yeah, but
7: you, you you could track the people behind the people behind the people behind the people down the line, um, and once you've taken one out, then of course it would it would start some kind of um, you call it some kind of gang situation and. But the thing is, when is this going to stop? Number one, it's getting worse. The I don't.
1: I don't see your idea as a solution, to be honest with you, Bill. Just... Well, no,
7: it's not a the solution. There's just one method. Like, but what, 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 what do you do? Just pay them the money. Which is yeah, well, that really is that is money.
1: what's happening right now in yeah. our city. I've mentioned the ten families that have kids between twelve and eighteen in debt to drug dealers. Uh, one family, thirty thousand euro to five different pushers last week alone. Yeah. yeah.
7: Yeah. Like well parents
1: I, are you know, paying and, the debt.
7: Yeah. But is the debt actually fully paid? That's the thing. That, is it fully paid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know? Okay. You, you do know, they keep that, that, back. That's the fear I would have. And like the gods really should entrap these people. You know, it's not rocket science. They should entrap them. They should go online and pretend to be buying it themselves like they do with child porn and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's not rocket science again. Like I I do it for them if they want. They want to pay me to you know, go in line and pretend I'm, I want some drugs delivered somewhere. Sure, I'd be a decoy for them. You know,
1: yeah, them you would them. think that would be like shooting fish no. in a barrel, but it's like a, it's like a Medusa. You cut off one head and two grow, you know, or ten grow. That's the problem. You yeah, see. well,
7: then you keep, you, you, you entrap the whole lot. Like, there has to be a way of getting to the top, you know. Because if there isn't a way of getting to the top, we're going to end up like Colombo or like Colombia used to be. And they're even struggling now after various... Individuals have
1: been... Taken out of the equation. All right. Pleasure talking to you, Bill. Look after yourself. Take care for now. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Back after the break.
2: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086
1: Red FM. And I've been thinking, actually, of, say, families that have to pick up the incurred drug debt and pay it back to a pusher or a dealer up the chain on behalf of a family member. And that's where you talk about a family unit knowing about it. But what, for instance, if it was just one member of the family knew about it, like ma'am knew about it, only... Um, Mother knew about it or whatever the case may be or, or dad knew about it and the rest of the family didn't. So you had one family member who was carrying the drug debt and the worry and the anxiety of it and trying to cobble the money together on their own without wanting to worry the rest of the family about a five grand or a 10 grand or a 30 grand drug debt. And they were trying to sort it out on their own. I bet that's the case of us. It's not just families. Sometimes it could be a mother or a father who don't tell anyone and just know of it themselves, that the dealer has made a particular approach to the mother. And she carries that load on her own. Uh, text 0868104106 on that and lots more besides. Uh, just one or two of it uh, on this. I worked with a man in his 60s about 10 years ago. After chatting for a bit, he told me, that his son committed suicide because of a drug debt, took his own life. While standing outside the graveyard, he was thanking people for attending the funeral and was approached by a man who whispered in his ear at the funeral, the man said this, your son's debt is now your debt. You owe me 20,000 euro and I'll be in touch. Can you imagine that, Neil? No, I can't actually. It put shivers down my spine even reading it out. At the funeral of his son, who sadly uh, took his own life. Uh, The the father was approached at the funeral itself. Can't come on air, as the guy I'm talking about may recognise me, but two years ago, uh, a lad took his own life due to spiralling drug debt in a rural area of Cork. The dealer that uh, this kid was hooked on, uh, hooked on to the family. Uh, He was a family friend, but no one knew his shady side. In fact, he shouldered the coffin. The following day, he called to the parents to inform them that the debt was was now their debt. See, two very similar stories are getting a real insight into how it operates and how it happens and how the debt is inherited. Uh, text 0868104106. Some weeks back, I chatted on air with Michelle who was living in her car for weeks and weeks on end and, uh, you know, the bones of 20 months of her life. Uh, she was without a home. There was no issues with regards to addiction, uh, you know, um, in her 40s. Um, she was in and out of her car. Uh, we tried to help as best we could and a lot of her life had to do with either being in the car or sofa surfing or pet sitting or house sitting, minding people's homes when they're away. She uh, one or two times was in Simon but felt very unsafe in there. Um, one of the experiences in Simon was for a week in Christmas in 2020 when she was the only woman with maybe three or four men and didn't feel safe. She said there was lots of uh, drinking and uh, lots of issues with regards to the men. She was slept with her bed up against the door. I remember that conversation at the time, tried to help her. A lot of people out there uh, did get in touch with me, uh, asking to be able to help Michelle or to get her somewhere where she could stay with them. And there were one or two offers of um, actual, you know, a a house or or a flat for her. And one case, a lovely little cottage. But I think there was issues then with regards to happen and stuff like that. But I, but I do know that when I was away, uh, Mick Mulcahy was on the air and I was having a conversation at the time with. Uh with Minister Michael McGrath and he brought up the issue of, uh, of Michelle's plight on air with him. Uh, you might think this is a little unfair of me, Michael McGrath, Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform,
4: but on the issue of speaking truth to power, uh, and I don't want to doorstep you anyway, but I think it's important notionally that we do this. Uh, last month we spoke to Michelle who spent 18 months living in and out of her car. When she spoke to us, she's been spending the previous three weeks living in a Renault Clio. This is the real effect of the cost of living uh, on people. And just for the
1: noble notion of letting the more powerless be heard by the powerful, our most powerful, uh, I'm going to just play Michelle's interview for you here. Just a short clip. Sure. So you're very down, though, the likes of your good self for sleeping in a car for 19 months.
3: Um, you do, yeah. Lonely? Um, definitely, yep. Yeah. It's, it's hard because that's the, one of the biggest problems is how will I pass day? Sometimes your day is organised around if you have some type of appointment, you know, so so you just have to kind of write it out. You just have to wait for it to pass. It takes a lot of effort as well to continuously ring your contacts. So at the moment I would be very isolated and not in contact with, with friends and family because it becomes too difficult. Because you're bringing all of this onto other people. You
1: mean you don't want to worry them, is it?
3: Yeah, it comes to the point where you don't want to worry them because a lot of them know that you have no options. Like, what are you going to do? Nothing is going to change.
4: Michelle is an exception minister, uh, granted, but that, that is some people's reality. Are Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael on the Greens, and can you promise, are
6: you going to do enough?
0: Well, I'm very sorry to hear um, that story and uh, I, I don't know the full background but I'm more than happy to, to try to help Michelle there's no need for anyone to be sleeping in a car uh, and certainly sleeping in a car for that length of time is, is not acceptable in, in a decent society and um, and you know that, that offer is there. Um, if you want to put me in touch with Michelle i can certainly
2: look into her, her situation and see how we can help.
1: All right. Uh, apparently he gave Michelle a ring on Friday and said he'd make a few phone calls into City Hall, of course. And that's very noble and laudable. And thank you for that. He shouldn't have to do that. And in fact, it's probably when you think of it and you drill down into it, not the right thing to do. Because that means that other people who also are in a similar situation and on a list or not ever the case may be, just like Michelle, may be bumped aside so that meet Michael McGrath's request for Michelle to be sorted would be met by City Hall, so it doesn't fix anything. Really, it solves one person's problem, but it actually creates or creates a, a ripple effect for others. But um she just joins me by phone, incidentally. Michelle, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Um, did anything come of our conversations and uh, the many people who wanted to to uh, wanted to help?
3: Um, if you you mean your listeners? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were like uh, yeah um offers of you know. um there were some offers of of maybe using people's homes while they went on holidays, and um, there were um, two offers from landlords as well. But um, those offers were complicated because um, uh, because uh, cost the cost of the rentals, which I suppose, in all reality, you see. I suppose the Irish government is is in one way expecting that landlords. Um, landlords uh, set really low rents.
1: Yeah, and there were offers of accommodation from landlords, but the rents were still high.
3: Yeah, so for example, for people on low incomes, you'd have to rely on the state subsidy, the HAP. But the thing is, you know, so I suppose I'll just say for a single person with no dependents um, in in Cork, you know, you have to find a rental for €550. How much? So, €550 is what the government are, are, are setting for single people. If you are to avail of That's HAP. Hap. There, yeah. yeah, the property yeah. has to be 550 So I suppose if you find a one bed for €1,100, you're not going to be able to avail of HAP because it's too expensive. But equally, if you're on too low an income, you can't meet that rent of Yeah, own. so
1: the, the HAP for a single person is 550 And the Echo says this morning that there's no properties available to rent in Cork for tenants in HAP. And you're yeah, the, and you're, to be you're honest, describing that,
3: like that. Yeah, it's been like that for a long time. But now finally, at least it's officially out there in in, in Simon Locked Out report in the echo today, you know. Yeah. that's that it's actually official now, although a lot of people like myself would have been aware of it for a very long time. Yeah. Been like that for a very long time.
1: So even with even with the social welfare contribution plus the hap, it still would be well short. It would be somewhere in the region of your entire income if you include HAP could be Six fifty, seven fifty, maybe eight fifty max, uh, and your—that's yeah, totally. before you feed yourself or turn on a, a radiator. Yeah, or light the of fire. top
3: ups. It's the top ups. That the private amount you have to pay. They call it a top up. Anything above the five fifty that you have to pay the landlord, it's called a top up. And it
1: shouldn't be called a top up, really. In your case, it's almost like a fifty-fifty contribution, isn't
3: it? Yeah, but what the councils, the local authorities, the council say is that's a private arrangement between you and your landlord. I know. So, I know. so the council will will only deal with the social housing aspect, which is. 15% of the person but
1: if you could only just get a job right wouldn't that make a huge difference
3: it would in the short term but like HAP is very complicated there are a lot of problems with HAP in the short to probably possibly you know medium term it would be okay but there's a long term issue then and things like when you know the landlord's up to the rent and all that type of thing Um, You know, I've been in the HAP system, so I kind of I'm aware of all the problems, you know, and if your income goes down too much and that type of thing, if you fall out of work again, if you get sick, if you can't work for a month, things like that. um, The HAP is very complicated in in a way because of, of, because you can't find rentals, you know, the rentals should be within a certain bracket because the the reason why you're trying to evade of the state subsidy called HAP in the first instance is because you're on a low income. Um, and you know, I'm talking about even people on retail incomes. You know, if if people on low low incomes of three fifty a week, for example, and at the moment I wouldn't be in a job that I could earn a lot more, although I have capability because I do have qualifications.
1: And in the qualifications yeah. that you have, are there any jobs yes. available right now that meet your qualifications?
3: Um. You see, right now, Neil, I suppose my situation has slightly improved in, in that I have had some relief in that I'm not sleeping every night in the car. I'm getting breaks out of the car. But if I could explain to you that what that has enabled me to do is, is um, you know, I'm in better health. My days are, are going better, so that's what I'm working up towards. So you you need to be on the ball. You need a lot of energy to, to like, find a proper job.
1: Oh, for God's sake, you can't be sleeping in a car and going to work and have full of the joys of spring of a which Monday morning. Is why, nah, which is I, why, I understand which, that.
3: Which is why I hoped that I could slip into a retail job. Retail is something I had a lot of experience of in my student days. So I've worked in all types of shops with something that I could slip into easily. And that was what I was hoping for, you know, just to get a bit settled and then fall into a job that would be a lot easier for me to manage. Um, But I'm just not there yet because since I spoke to you these number of weeks, you know, my situation is improving in that I'm slipping in and out of places. Mm. I've had some offers. Of, of you know while people are away and that so i'm kind of getting there but i'm not back in work yet And i suppose i'm just talking about my situation which is i'm not currently in employment mm. so so yes the whole uh, part of the hack as well is you can go out to work and you can improve your situation but um, it's not my current it, it, situation
1: yeah and it always falls short of 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 what people need to survive
3: it does, it does. You know, and especially with all the income The amount you can work.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. More so yeah. than ever now. More so than ever. Yeah. So, at the, that, do you think that Michael McGrath's intervention will make a difference?
3: Um, well, he did ring me on Friday, so I, I thanked him for that. And we had, you know, he asked me a lot of questions and he definitely said he'd look into a few things, but um, I did say, he asked me something at the end of the phone call and I did say to him that I didn't actually think that there was any solution, you know, but... Um, I, I don't know, I don't, what can Michael McGrath do, you know um, uh, I did also see I had been in contact with Micheál Martin's constituency office as well in Cork and, and i never asked for kind of reconfirmation of this but what Micheál Martin's uh, Cork office is telling me is to just avail of silent services so because of ringing your show and because two landlords had put forward an offer of potential rental it meant I had to get back in contact with the council but the back of that the council are telling me that i can go into simon 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 services um which for me you know great for some people definitely wouldn't work for me no and and i think being
1: on your own and able-bodied without children or dependents also puts you somewhat down the list doesn't it
3: Well, in general in ireland uh, yes And, and there's also kind of from the council there's also this kind of idea that you can just live with a family member or a or parent, or, or something like that. So, so a kind of you're not really recognising We, that we
1: covered of. that in the last conversation. That's not possible, is it? It's not, no.
3: No, no. But, but, but equally, e- equally, like I, I don't even understand that that a, a, an adult in their forties, and their fifties, that you know, just because you don't have a child, that I know, y- you no. can't expect that you that you can actually go out and live on your own. You, you have to just go and live with family, it, mm. it doesn't, you know, surely everybody is allowed to be autonomous, but mm. this is kind of policy, I suppose, but, um so I, I've asked for confirmation from Eon Martins, and I suppose I did, uh, uh, you know, I suppose I did raise the issue with Michael McGrath as well about, because I'm aware of the fact that the Irish government is, um prop- you know, they're finding thousands and thousands of bedrooms in Ireland at the moment, because there's a need for it, so I did ask him how is it then that somebody like myself is, is asked to evade of Simon
1: oh you're, you're referencing Ukrainian refugees I guess
3: well uh, people coming in I mean it's not just it's, uh, anyone there's Well, you a- don't want to
1: go you don't want to go to um, a, a refugee centre though or a hotel bedroom do you would you
3: no, you see, what it is at the moment is is Neil a hotel bedroom is safer than sleeping in the of available yeah. Simon services. It is.
1: Yeah, it is. So
3: it's not it's not a solution, but it's also better than sleeping in my car.
1: So, so that's the reality that's kind of
3: it. Of, yeah. yeah, that's the reality of it. So yeah. so that's where that comes in. But um, okay. I've also I also you know met with an independent um, counselor. So my, he's 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 willing to look into it for me as well.
1: Will you stay in touch then in the coming days and weeks?
3: Um, I will stay in touch with any updates it's just the moment the updates I, I think that will take time and I, I did ask Micheál Martin's office as well in an email on Friday so, so I'm waiting for them to get back to me I just asked him is, is that I, I asked him you know is three falls view as a party you know that people like myself that their only option is, is to avail of Simon's services so I, I'll definitely wait for an answer back okay, on that okay. I'll wait for an answer from Michael and um, I don't know what else to say just things have improved and that I'm not sleeping in the car all of the time OK so OK know.
1: OK Stay in touch then and uh, keep me in the loop, will you?
3: Um, I will, I right. will, yeah. right,
1: OK, sure. an OK, thanks. All sleep. the best for now. Take care. Okay, Take you, care. Bye. Cheers.
3: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
2: One hundred four to one hundred six, Red FM. This is the Neil friendville Show.
1: Okay, I'll come back to text a little later on. But we were chatting this morning um, about uh, miracles, and um, you know, one would think that um, the, a miracle is one thing, or you know, where somebody or somebody or something, it could be, it could be God, it could be whatever you believe in yourself is the intervention that changes your life for the better you know a miracle it could also be offering it up to the universe or uh, manifesting a change in your own life yourself by the power of positive thinking so I was chatting with all of that this morning and the reason I started talking about it was because I was chatting with Graham uh, who was um, on the Dublin to Cork train when he met with the chap who was just out of Coonborough and the family couldn't take him back anymore and he was uh, drinking cans on the train and what have you. During one part of the conversation, this young man said to Graham that he was looking for signs, anything at all that would help him in his darkness, uh, to take him out of the darkness of the past 24 years. I, I got the impression from Graham's conversation that the lad's family do love him, but they just can't take any more. The upset that's been caused in the home because of his drinking and his addiction issues. And they're engaging in, in tough love, saying, look, you can't come home anymore. We just can't do this with you anymore. So that was kind of the backstory to this, because while I was away, I was reading an article in RSVP Country magazine. It was uh, an interview with um, the um, uh, family behind uh, Christoph, Christoph Swing. And I spoke with with Dervil on the air some, some time ago. And, you know, Derek, I know him. He played in studio here with us. This band there some months back. I've also spoken to Mary Burke, uh, mum to Darvila and to Derek and wife, of course, to Mike. And part of the interview spoke of Mike's Parkinson's uh, diagnosis in October of 2021. And I was sitting there reading it and I realised that while reading the interview that I was reading about a miracle an actual miracle. Now, Mary joins me by phone rather than me reading out the interview. It's better to chat through it. Mary, good morning.
8: Good morning, Neil, and thank you so much for having me on your show.
1: You're always so positive and upbeat in fairness to you. Yeah. And you've one more reason to be. I mean, things weren't going well with Mike's Parkinson's diagnosis, were they?
8: No, Neil, um, and yes, what you've just said there, um, Uh, we have experienced a true miracle in our lives. And this is our experience, Neil. You know, um, I I suppose to start with both Mike and myself, we would have a very deep faith. And uh, so when any troubles or sufferings come our way, our faith really gives us strength to bear Any sufferings, you know. So so let's
1: just stay with that because you say in the interview that Mike needed your help to do the simplest things like dressing and washing, and Mm. things were progressing not in a good way. In the sense that the Parkinson's was becoming more and more prevalent. Was that the case?
8: Yes. Well, to go back now, I suppose uh, to, we know. Uh, uh, looking back on it now, there were symptoms five or six years ago, which I would never have realised that it was Parkinson's. And um,
1: well, what were those symptoms? Of, but, symptoms, incidentally.
8: Yes. Neil, um, one of the first symptoms I know we did notice, or uh, looking back at it now, which was a definite symptom, but I didn't realise it at the time, was when he would go to bed at night and I'd be sleeping beside him. He used to lash out and he used to kick me. Or uh, there was one night he almost broke my nose, but he wasn't aware. He would actually think he was having a fight with somebody. But um now I know we all have dreams at night and there are nights sometimes that we can have disturbed sleep. So I didn't overthink it, but there were definitely nights that I was saying to him, My God, I think I, I should be sleeping actually in a single bed because I am quite afraid that I may not wake up alive in the morning, Lord you know? God. Yeah, it was very, very frequent and this is going on for a number of years and um so um but at the same time I never Overthought it because you you know if you said it to somebody they'd probably say ah oh, sure you know I've had bad nights like that but but it was restless sleeper no
1: more than that but clearly there was a lot more going on yeah go ahead a
8: lot more going on and so he was quite a danger to be sleeping beside that was that was number one and and I realised from the neurology afterwards that this is can be a symptom mm. you know everybody is different but this can be a symptom another uh, symptom I noticed over again going back over I suppose even 3 or 4 or 5 years Um, I, like I, I thought it was poor hygiene and sometimes I would say to him Mike you're not washing your face properly and I used to have to wash his face and that because there was a lot of kind of yellow scabs on his nose and, and his chin and you know on his body and that and uh, I used to say people think you're not going to you're not washing Properly, but but in fact, um, it, it wasn't the case. He as as, as time moved on, uh, there was a lot of red. Blotchy, you know, blotches on his skin and, and scabs and you know and his mm. hair and mm. his head and everything. So again, that was another symptom which we didn't associate. In fact, I thought it was the way Mike wasn't really washing himself. Yeah, because you say
1: his whole body started to slow down. His speech was slurred. He found yeah. it difficult to do simple That's tasks right. like washing his teeth. Uh, yeah. and then of course he had to stop work
8: that's right his whole like his body slowed down to such a point that he could hardly lift the cup to his mouth Uh, you know it was so slow he found it very difficult to drink water uh, which was really essential for him Um, somehow he couldn't kind of get his mind around he'd have the the bottle in his hand and uh, you know he'd put the bottle to his mouth but sipping seemed to be a difficulty for him Um, and I suppose as time moved on he, he got very very thin and he lost a lot of weight and um, he had severe constipation which was a huge issue for him and um, you know I'm talking about maybe not going to the toilet for nearly two weeks you know and he encountered great pain God and uh, yeah and uh, so and, and he got you know he aged a lot and he had a stooped posture and a lot of people would have known particularly around uh, maybe over a year ago or more people started to say to me is my okay because yeah. they people began to know I suppose when you're living with somebody you, you maybe don't even see it as much but I, I think of course it was very obvious to us that there was something going very wrong and uh, so early in 2021 we uh, we discussed it with the doctor and the doctor sent him, his doctor GP, uh, Dr. Doran in character sent him for a host of tests above in the South Infirmary mm. and uh, I suppose uh, like you know in fact they had trouble doing co- colonoscopies for him on two occasions, because, you know, I mean, not to put it mildly, but abs- body it was so blocked up, yeah. Yeah. they couldn't just free it. And uh, so, you know, a lot of people really would have seen Mike, you know, he got so thin, you know, he was just a shadow of his former self. And and I suppose I, being his wife, see the the, re- the reality of it, because, you know, he needed help showering and even to go to the bathroom, you know, he needed personal help for the most intimate reasons and uh, and are we
1: also talking about somebody who was in terrible pain
8: a lot of pain and he couldn't sleep at night and he would be pacing the floor at night and you know so um but he had to undergo all the tests to eliminate, you know, cancer and all other kind of stuff okay. as well. So, uh, all of those tests came back clear. So, but we still knew things weren't right. Yeah. But um, so he was—he was—he was then referred to a neurologist, and the neurologist, but uh, CUH, uh, very very quickly in October, diagnosed him with Parkinson's.
1: And at that state that must have come as a terrible shock. Then,
8: well. It didn't really kneel because, I suppose, the writing was on the wall. Uh, now, Dr. Dorn, I suppose, in fairness to him, he's he's a, he, he's a very knowledgeable doctor and he, he, he had observed him and he said, I, look, he said, I can't diagnose him, but I wouldn't be surprised. He seems to have all the symptoms of Parkinson's, you know. So um, we were prepared, I suppose, far to hear it but at the same time no doubt it's like any diagnosis of a a disease of that enormity enormity, you know that uh, It's
1: degenerative and will only do one thing and that is get worse
8: yes and that, and that was what we were told okay. you know okay. by that okay. there would be stages in it and that you know um so we uh, obviously if there was a, for a, d- a day or two there was a grieving i suppose within the two of us for but but again we came back to our faith and we would have often talked about being faced with a situation like this and we we were open to accepting god's will whatever that may be you know okay yeah. okay
1: so Again, to the um, article there was one week in November is that November just mm-hmm. gone now?
8: November just gone okay. Neil That's Well, where you great. said yes.
1: I thought he would die as he was in so much pain and so unwell you say on one of the nights he was in agony with pain we prayed just Pick up on that night what what happened
8: yeah I, I remember that night very very clearly and um, prior to that he, for, for for a number of weeks he had been pacing the floor at night and I was sleeping in the living room next door to his bedroom and he hadn't been sleeping well and and like a lot I, I didn't I didn't even tell a lot of people this was going on because I, I you know, a lot, everyone had their own troubles. But people were aware he wasn't well. But I, I, I was very, very worried about him this particular night. And and you know, I actually thought I had a funeral pending, you know, and I was thinking, I, I, I didn't think he was going to get through this. He was so unwell, and he was really skin and bone, you know, and um, and he wasn't able to do the simplest things, as I say. Uh, no, uh, uh, that particular night, um, uh, a, a friend of ours called him actually very holy man. And he actually phoned Mike unexpectedly and uh, we prayed with him. But um, so he left Mike with some prayers to say and uh, Mike and myself, we prayed and Mike said, look, I'm going to go to bed tonight, he said, and I'm going to put it into God's hands and whatever his will is for me. But he said, I believe tonight that if I trust in God that he will heal me so he went to bed that night okay and it says
1: he took the rosary beads and a cross to bed with him that night as he got into bed he asked Jesus and Our Lady to wrap their cloak around him
8: yes that's exactly what he did. I, I he I, he he went into bed that night, and I remember him saying, as I was covering him up, he said, "Jesus and Mary, please wrap your cloak around me, and 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 heal me and protect me." And we have a picture at the foot of the bed of Jesus in a red cloak, and he's knocking on a door, and uh, and and so he was looking at that picture, and uh, my, tears were flowing down my face that night uh, because he was so unwell, and. He he had his hand firmly gripped around the crucifix and small crucifix and rosary bead and I covered him up and uh I, I wasn't able to sleep that night because I I used to be checking on him regularly and several times that night I went into checking him and I couldn't believe I couldn't I suppose I could believe it, but I I I, I was amazed how uh how comfortable he looked and there was no stir out of him so he slept all that night that was about nine o'clock or nine or ten o'clock nine and a half plus nine that was around the time and he slept all that night and I checked him several times during the night and I got up the following morning and it was about nine thirty he was still asleep and i was i said my goodness he's had a fantastic night's sleep in fact i even looked in i was saying is he alive you know because i was making sure he was breathing he was so quiet but anyway um he got up around 10 o'clock and he ran, he came up to the kitchen and he had a smile on his face neil this is the honest truth and he he started to kind of jump around the kitchen and he said look he said all oh, my bones are loose," he said. "I can, I can, I can walk better. I can talk better. My speech isn't slurred. I feel my mind is clear." And he said, "I feel I've had a healing." He said, and he hadn't eaten in days prior to that. In fact, he could barely drink. And he said to me, "I want to go down to the elm tree to get lunch." He said today. He said, "I feel like having a dinner."
1: You've <laughs> I mean, standing there, bewildered, were you?
8: <laughs> to be honest neil I, I i i just went over and we hugged each other and there was tears flowing down both our faces and i said you've had a healing a miracle that happened here and i said he said but i said I, we would have to go easy on the dinner i said because you haven't eaten in weeks i said you might get sick and so we went down to yeah, we went down to the elm tree, Neil. That's no word of a lie. And he eats a huge, a full dinner—bacon and cabbage. I remember that day, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and 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 um, from that day to this, Neil, he, there's been the, no, he has been with his neurologist. He is on a low dose of medication. She had put him. You know, in October on a low dose of medication. And of course, with view to reviewing it and upping it. But we were back with the neurologist in March and she was quite amazed at his great recovery. And she said that a lot of people that were as bad as him when she had foreseen him would have maybe come 20, 25% of the way with medication, but she said, for you, you have come 95%, and that was in March.
1: And, and added to that, this yeah. happened within the space of six or seven hours...
8: It happened overnight. And so I asked him then, what did he feel that night when he went into bed? And he said, as he went into bed and he spoke those words, Jesus and Mary, please wrap your cloak around me and I trust that you will heal me. He said he felt... Which, which is the Holy Spirit, like a, a gush of heat going down through his body and out through his feet, and he he um, he went to sleep in such a peaceful sleep, you know, and um, uh, he he. Uh, he didn't wake up he slept all that night so um you know we truly believe as i say um this is our experience and uh and definitely everybody we know has remarked on how well he Okay is.
1: so no. he now Mike now uh, has continued to improve uh, rapidly his health's improved dramatically his and reading again uh, for the, his appetite has returned he put on weight his bowel problems have been sorted his body functions have returned to normal he yes. uh, Uh, even goes out on the odd spin on his motorbike and he went back to work
8: he went back to work, and actually, um, we, you know, I had concerns about him driving, you know, because we, we we didn't want to be dishonest. We notified the insurance company that he had Parkinson's, and they thanked us for that. Um, and and uh, I, I, but 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 the, our doctor, you know, was wise. He said you will have to go for a mobility test, and he, uh, we had to wait for the mobility test until January. But he passed the mobility test with. Flying horrors, in fact, the yeah, and he's driving, and he's driving his motorbike, and he's insured to do so, is, and 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 his employers need to speak about them. They were wonderful to him, and they 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 took him back, and you know, uh, after the company doctor had checked him out, and she authorised him to go back. Yes,
1: is he? Is that Parkinson's free though? Is he?
8: Well. I, 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 we believe that he has I mean, from what I'm telling you uh, we believe, we're not worried about Parkinson's anymore and he is on a low dose of medication okay. but, we, but we believe that Parkinson's has no control over Mike's body anymore well, could, so uh, you, yes.
1: you see this as a miracle from God
8: a miracle from God. He is a testament of the miracle. All my neighbours and friends can see it. My own family can see it. It's up to them whether they believe it or not. But we truly believe that a miracle has happened in our lives. And and it, it, he is testament to that miracle, Neil, you know.
1: It's not, as others might say, some might suggest the power of the mind where he um, Manifested the change from within himself, or you're saying it was a greater being than us that did this?
8: Oh, absolutely. Because we have encountered in my own life, I mean, small miracles and big miracles. I won't go into it today because it would take too long. But even the crystal swing thing that happened to us, that was as a result of a miracle, I believe, you know. But that's for another day, Neil. But, um, you know, I. I in my own life, um, and in Mike's, uh, our faith has carried us through so much, Neil. You know, and uh, um, and, and 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 oh no, I, I I have a I I have a great belief and trust, and and I truly believe in in God. And do you and think that there are
1: Jesus. many miracles like this that we just don't oh. hear about?
8: Absolutely, Neil, you know, and, and, and I and I am so, so grateful for, for you for giving me the airtime this morning to speak about it because... Uh, well, I mean, we why
1: wouldn't so I? I mean, the guy's said, going, there's a guy going to bed and he's in chronic pain and he's lost yeah. most of his bodily functions, has be helped with yes. every single thing, as I say, yes. cro- chronic, chronic pain, yes. diagnosis yes. of Parkinson's, and he wakes up in the morning and he's jumping around the kitchen wanting to go to the Elm Tree for bacon and cabbage.
8: It, and that's exactly how it happened, Neil. You know, but Mike—I'm not surprised with Mike because he—he's a—he's a very gentle soul, a very kind, quiet person. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm blessed to be married to him, really. And he has taught me a lot in life. He—I—I've learned a lot from Mike. He's—he's he's really uh, there's something very special about him. Uh, uh, not because he's my husband. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he's—he's—he's he's he's imperfect, like all of us. He's human. I'm not saying he's perfect, and, and he knows that as well. But—but but there is something. And he He's a very deep um deep faith what does God, he make of know? it
1: all This, yeah
8: um well you know as i say he just truly believes that that this has been a miracle in his life and uh and he's you know we even though we were like delighted with it, but we are not we weren't surprised that this had happened you know we we i had somehow that night, even though he was very very ill. I I had anticipated that, that a miracle could happen. Just like uh, my little grandson, I pray going forward that a miracle can happen in his life. Yes, know? yes. Um, but, um, but of course, I, I, I would love for... Uh, as grandparents, I think we have and an aunts and uncles, for those of us that, that maybe do not have children, we have a very, very powerful role to play in younger people's lives to pass on this faith and um, and and just to know that when Jesus is by your side, you have peace, peace in your heart, which the world is searching for, Neil. You know, mm. and and now if God, we, as I say at the start of the conversation, there, if if it was God's will that Mike was not to recover we were open to that as well. And yeah, because we I been imagine there are God. people,
1: you wouldn't have been angry, but there would be people who are saying, well, I've done that, and I've prayed, and I've asked mm. for, you know, intervention <laughs> from God, and I'm a believer, and I want to go to heaven, and I got no help.
8: Well, you know, I suppose, uh, 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 f- f- my my own from my own perspective, as a, as a Catholic, and a, as a person of faith, we have to be open to God's will, and, you know, Sometimes, uh, sadly, and my heart goes out to those people. I mean, I, I, I really, I, I would never push my face on anybody, but people. But yet, I don't hide my face because that is that's part of me. But, um, but you know, uh, I truly believe that when a person of faith dies, or a person, um, somebody maybe that we love dearly, go dies. But you know, you see, I believe that that when when we die that our soul goes to you know if if we, obviously if we've lived if we're in, in a good state of grace we, we, we you know, we can our heavenly home is in in, in heaven and, you know l- our life here is just a very, it's just a blink yeah. of an eye really. I know. But,
1: there must um, be fierce but, comfort know, in that so belief there, though, isn't there? there, there that,
8: that, uh, you,
0: that know,
1: un, you know, that unquestioning we, belief that you have must come as a, an incredible comfort to you in your life because for others, me included we're fierce doubters of everything we analyse and over-analyse. you probably don't do any of that
8: none of that at all neil you know um you know look like, i don't care if i lose everything in the morning if you know as i say if god if god decides tonight to take me i i truly mean it i'm open to his will and um uh, but it is his choice to, to leave me here if that's what he wants to do but i i it gives me great comfort because i have no fear of Sickness or death, you know, and and it gives me great. Because you know you're going
1: somewhere that's better than here, kind of thing, isn't it? That's... Oh,
8: certainly, absolutely, yes, that's right. You know, I I really do believe that, Neil. You know, and uh, and my faith gives me that that uh, you know that you know like I I believe that uh, you know this is just this is just a place where I suppose where we're really are God wants us to be kind and loving to others, but also to to, you know, to be a witness to his love for us and that as he rose from the dead on the resurrection that we will also rise and be with him. Mm. And, and all of those loved ones have gone before us, you know, they're, they are very, very close to us. So, you know, they're not gone from us at all, you know. and uh, So you so will that, meet
1: that's... all of your loved ones again?
8: Oh, yes, absolutely. Isn't that an I amazing belief? That. Isn't
1: that a great belief all the same, though? I mean, that oh, they're waiting yeah. for you.
8: Oh yes, and and I can feel you know very much the presence of. Lo you know, I I'm big into the family tree actually, you know, and uh, so I I I'm going back over generations and generations. But I feel a great closeness to all of those people and my family tree, and I pray for them all. But I I uh, like I know that that you know that they are interceding for me as well. I like there 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 are small miracles happen in our lives every day which we. We take for granted, Neil. You yeah, but what happened with
1: Mike was not the power of the mind. This was a, oh, a, no. a, a miracle in the true sense, you believe.
8: A uh, miracle in the truth, since, uh what happened with Mike, and uh, he's a walking testament to that miracle. And and yes, we we uh, you know even sometimes he does get a bit tired, but that's about the size of it, Neil. But then we pray again, and all of a sudden his energy comes back. So you know we we we're not um, we've no fear now of uh, of, of, of you know. We're not, we We know that he's going to be okay. And what
1: do people make of the change in him when they see what he did look like and how he is now?
8: People are just amazed, really, you know, because, uh, I mean, this time last year, he was he felt like he was losing his mind, you know. He he was like, it's like he was here, but he wasn't here. His mind was all over the place, and... Uh, and, like, there, there was an awful lot going on in his body. You know, he he was physically unwell and mentally unwell in every way. And, uh, um, but people are really mesmerized by it. And I think it really has indeed given people, uh, you know, uh, hope uh, that they, they too can turn to God. No, and, you know, in our deepest sufferings, If we turn to Jesus, um, he really does help us through our suffering. Okay,
1: I'd love to chat with other people who may have experienced miracles or interventions like yours, because I think it's fascinating. I mean, that's the story. You've told it 100% honestly, Mm -hmm. you know, go to bed one night, wake up in the morning.
8: total honesty, Neil, um, as I say, uh, I... uh, you know, I don't actually go around telling everybody about it because I say, but if people ask me, I tell it as it is. You know, and uh, and, and and I'm I'm not at all surprised. Like he can per- walk miracles in our lives, and and you know, um, and 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 he has given us that great peace and comfort, and uh, and 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 I, I just hope today that maybe somebody listening in, no matter what you're going through that Jesus will walk with you, you know, and our blessed mother as well, you know. All right, well, it's good
1: to catch up. Thanks for sharing. It'd be interesting to see if people have their own stories to tell on the back of your uh, story this morning, Mary, but to yourself and all of the family, and particularly to Mike, best of luck.
8: Thank you so much, Neil. I am so grateful to you. All right,
1: mind yourself, Mary. Cheers. Take care.
8: God bless. Take Thank
1: you, Neil. Text 0868-104-106. If you want to put pen to paper in paper in the digital age and you have a story to share, email neil at redfm.ie.
2: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville
1: now on 818 right. Red FM. Busy this morning and a lot of different topics. It's just very interesting to hear of other people's stories with regards to miracles or changes in your life that are just, you know, off the Richter scale changes like Mary talks about Mike's situation going to bed at night and waking up as he did the next morning looking for intervention now it could be religious it may not necessarily be sometimes I'd say it would be something that you could perhaps manifest change in yourself or others would give it up to the universe you know people read the book and, um, you know, the secret and other books, self-motivating, self-help books and, and things like that. And they changed their life that way. But miracles. I'm wondering, are there other ones out there like that? I'd love to hear your story. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. So that. And lots more besides this morning. A lot of texts from earlier on today. Um, It's definitely true with regards to families picking up the drug debt of loved ones. I know loads of people whose sons owe money. They've even been suicides due to the pressure. It's all very sad. Another one here. I've lost all faith in the Irish Health Service for addiction services. My sister has been addicted to heroin 15 years now. She's 34. As a family, I can tell you, it has broken us. It's ridiculous how the system is set up. It's evident that it's not working and the problem is only getting progressively worse. Just look at the state of the city as to how bad things are. Um, It's shocking, Neil, to hear that a 22-year-old is hooked on heroin from the age of 15. The reality is it's a combination of factors that lead someone down this path. Parenting is somewhat to blame, The person's environment and life events that might make drugs more attractive as a form of self-medication. The only one thing that can't be overlooked either is the person's own choice to do it. But the conversation nowadays is flirting with the idea that hard drug addiction is a disease that can be picked up and this is only giving people excuses. The introduction of injection centres will only add to the problem. They did it on the west coast of America and the number of people living in tents hooked on hard drugs actually went up. Uh, Other people then uh, blaming or identifying certain members of the community as being those behind the dealing. I'm not going to be mentioning any sections of the community, uh, but uh, I see a number of texts talking about certain individuals who control much of the drug dealing and drug distribution on side. Our family went through it for years Uh, with regards to particular cork dealers. One member of my family tried to commit suicide and they put up the price every week. Um, we can't afford to pay, never could. Uh, Yes, indeed, you are right when you talk about the availability of drugs online. Earlier on this morning, I was talking with Seamus, where you can go onto Instagram and Snapchat, you can buy whatever you want, heroin, cocaine, you can buy sweets now and chocolate and uh, jellies all laced in drugs. Everything's online now, all drugs, prostitution, etc. Dealers are way ahead of the Gardaí with regards to cyber activity. Uh, Gangs are the biggest dealers now in the city, and you can't mention much of where they come from because they have groups and organisations that, re- that uh, represent and deny it. Uh, believe me, but it's 100% true. Uh, but, uh, but then there's people at uh, uh, here that's identify- identifying a particular group of individuals in uh, an area of Knock uh, and others in other areas of the north side where they are big into selling drugs. Uh, these are families selling drugs. I know a family is being terrorised by these individuals. The whole on the north side is plagued in drugs. You wouldn't know the half of it. Uh, one more for now. I've had addiction issues myself, but how anyone even tries heroin even once is beyond stupid. Well, they do. Whether you want to call them names like stupid or not, they do for want of a better reason. Um, a lot of it is experimental. You know, brewery will tell you that a lot of the time, the stages that people go through with regards to issues in their life start with alcohol and the lowering of inhibitions. Ask anyone who spends time on Oliver Plunkett Street Shop owners and all The place has turned into a cesspit There are drug deals all over the place Not a guard to be seen Wednesday seems to be the worst day for it The place is crawling with them And the guards don't appear to want to know uh, Text 0868104106 Pick up the phone on 0818104106 Can I just chat with Patrick Because uh, I know he's been waiting for an eight. Patrick, good morning Neil, how are you? When is the Westlife gig? I
9: think it's on the... uh, God, I'd have to look at the tickets now again. I think it's in August, isn't it? 12th of August. Yeah, Yeah. so that originally would
1: have been a gig that was supposed to have been August of 2020, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. Okay, all right. It was
9: on the 29th, I think, of August,
1: just before the pandemic. And that's why a lot of gigs were cancelled and pushed back, etc., yeah. etc. Et okay.
9: No, I know. I just want to say this is a first world problem. And I know you're going through a lot of hard stuff on the program there. And I feel it's uh, coming No, but like you're,
1: you're entitled to your airtime. I mean, I'm here to talk to everybody. Don't worry. I can go back to lots of other calls. Don't worry about that. What happened?
9: Well, basically, I um, before the pandemic, uh, Ticketmaster had a, a, a line that you can actually call to book tickets and pay for your tickets online. You know, it's very over the phone with your credit card. And I got on to, to them and booked the tickets for um, Westlife. For, at the time, we just said for a partner and her daughter. And the situation being, it was sort of like VIP tickets. They were over 400 quid.
1: Wow. And VIP never, tickets are what? Never, 200 a pop, is it?
9: Yeah, they were 190 something. And then there was a seven euro charge or something. And extra what do you get for tickets.
1: a VIP ticket? Just explain to me. You get two I, tickets I for 410 that,
9: honest, euro. I yeah, I would imagine that you're just brought in, you get a programme, you probably just get brought to the seat, you know, better seating areas and you don't have to queue and stuff like that, you know.
1: Is that a meet and greet or anything, no?
9: No. Okay. No, well, wait, no. should it be 50, 60, that was not that.
1: No, and just, just curious as to what we get for a VIP ticket, a better yeah, seat. Yeah, no, you know? won't get anything better like seat programme, no, It's just,
8: okay. it's just
9: yeah. more making your entrance and your seating and everything probably just that bit more comfortable. You get a lanyard and stuff that.
1: It's a VIP ticket and stuff like that, but... It pawns <laughs> around in a private bar or something, maybe? No? Probably something something along that line. Okay, list. okay, okay. So your partner and your daughter were going, then the gig got cancelled. What happened then?
9: And this guy have been trying to
1: contact Ticketmaster now since
9: then, and I've sent in even your lads there all the emails. I mean, I'm talking about nearly 100 emails, like and ringing everything. Never have I got
1: a response. What do you want to happen? Just uh, where's my ticket? <laughs> and what what was said to be the normal course of event when the gig was cancelled that, that people would post be... the tickets out to you in a gift wrapped thing a couple of days after you purchased them. You never even got the original you know, ones, did
9: not, you? No, I never got nothing. All, all, all I got is what you what I've sent your team there about the seat number that you you know you. You can see the the printing that you're you're in. Congratulations, you're in with the seat number, everything like that. Now I don't know Neil if that's good enough to walk down to to Parky no, with that. But I don't no. think so.
1: No, I looked at all of the different screenshots here, and none of them have any kind of yeah. barcode on them or anything like that. So no, no, nothing. It's yeah. just a photocopy so, you could got from anybody. Tickets will I mean, be dispatched by me. standard post to your billing address. Is the billing address correct? Yeah. Yes. Simpson. <laughs> And have they confirmed that they were sent? No,
9: they have, they have no contact whatsoever with me. They, that, that was the, the last time I spoke to them, was when I paid for it. And they sent out emails to me, and I have not been able to contact them since. Right. They keep sending me emails to, um, about different gigs and stuff. I keep replying to everything, saying, which please deal with my problem? And never once have they come back to me.
1: And were you on a legit As I site? Say, that sounds like a, sorry. Were you on a
9: legit site? Oh yeah, definitely, well I I maybe I'm assuming I was. They sent out all the tickets with the ticket numbers, everything like that. And it was it was advertised on um I think it was their gig and their number came out on I don't know, was it your show or somebody's show at the time it was happening? You know, to contact Ticketmaster for the tickets. Yeah, you're, you haven't been hacked No, I it might not have been a legit site. I mean, I'm not sure, but I mean, like with all the emails, I mean, they keep, if, even if it wasn't a legit site, I mean, sure, I get emails off them every couple of days about different people playing in different places all over the country from the same, same email address.
1: Yeah, so nobody comes back to you on any of the contact with Ticketmaster. I online.
9: have never once got contact back. Then. And I, you're down I mean, 410, I
1: try... 410 euro for a gig that's happening next month and you've no tickets.
9: Exactly And I have tried everything Apart from yourself now Like I mean Even this is a last resort I mean I don't want to be on Annoying people About tickets for a concert As I said You have enough
1: to be dealing with No with just Because I'm just curious As, think as think to it. whether you were On a legit site or not Or whether you got ha- Whether you got hacked Or whether or not I
9: would you- 100% say yes
1: It was legit Yeah Is there yeah, a phone I mean, number Is there a
9: ring, yeah. No they, would, they don't answer it And even the one Inside Saint Patrick's uh, Remember there was one In Ski? There was Yeah they told me that, yeah, basically they understand, but I mean, at back then, but uh, they they now don't even take phone calls. If you ring it, the number doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. Do you check your wallet on your Ticketmaster account? It could be in the wallet. Like, yeah, I have a Ticketmaster like, account it, and it kind of sits yeah. in there, but you go looking for them.
9: Yeah, did you see the um, the emails there where I sent you that um, about going into your Ticketmaster thing? So, right, every time I try to go into my Ticketmaster thing, it's telling me my password is wrong. So I go and I change my password. And when I change my password, as you know, they send you out a code that you enter in. Yeah. Uh, through your email and I've done that but you'll see a list of emails there that I sent you through that it keeps telling me password wrong password wrong and I keep going back in to try do it and do it and do it and do it and it just won't let me in
1: and you know what the old tickets where they're going to automatically send you new ones for the gig next month is it you see that's the thing I don't know I've never been you know they, they just said your tickets are valid
9: for the next gig which is the one coming up I, I,
1: I bet you that I bet the tickets are in your account somewhere And you just can't get into your. Can't get into the account. You're locked. So you are locked out of of your account.
9: Yeah, and I've tried everything to get back into it. I mean, you see the list of emails there of me trying to get back into the account. Have you
1: tried to access the account from another phone or another laptop?
9: Yeah, from computer, from everything, and no good.
1: Yeah, and just curious—is the issue on your side? Well,
9: they said they were posting the ticket, so I mean. I mean, you think they'd
1: post them I wonder why they'd bother posting them if you have a, a Ticketmaster account they just the tickets yeah, just that's, did...
9: what, that's what I'm saying it's sort of, you can see there that they'll be sent to you in a gift wrap thing
1: with the seat number the whole lot everything that's part look, of the I VIP experience it, Yeah, I don't know yeah, if anybody it, else it, yeah. has had any problems with the if it t- is
9: a scam I don't know and if it is I've been cost but I mean I genuinely don't think it is but I mean uh, if you even try contact Ticketmaster yourself, that's you, you'll have no joy
1: well you can try
9: I'm just just wondering why you you can't... You have all the the account numbers, you have everything there.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering why you can't change your password. Don't have a clue. You know? And do you know anybody that would be a bit more tech-savvy than the likes of you or me? No, not really.
9: Yeah. I mean, I can give you all the details. I mean, I can give it to one of the lads there, and if they want to try it, fair enough.
1: Yeah. And Well, I know we live in a world now where it's almost impossible to pick up the phone and actually speak to anybody anymore. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah,
9: it's the same with everything, utility companies and everybody. Everything, yeah. The pandemic. yeah they give but, you, um, these days they just look, give you a I mean, choice look, of if possible If answers. I can't get them, I can't get them. But I mean, do you know something? that's worth one last try, isn't
1: it? Yeah, so somebody says here, with that type of ticket, your barcode is on the lanyard. Don't panic. You only get the lanyard posted yeah, but- a week beforehand.
9: Yeah, but I mean, so do I take the risk of waiting I know. a week
1: before? I know. You'd have two very unhappy people.
9: Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, this is a couple of years ago now, nearly. And I mean, when they won't even reply to um, an email, it makes you start to panic.
1: Okay, I, I mean look
9: as, as I said as I said to you, it's a first world problem. No, I know. Let's, safe, let's, I know.
1: Well, listen, you got in touch with me and I appreciate everybody that contacts me. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm on the air. If I wasn't getting people in touch with me, yeah. I wouldn't be on the air. So let's let's see. Sure um, let's see if we can just maybe make a call or see if they'll respond to us through their yeah, press Yeah,
9: and if you want to put me back onto one of your researchers yeah, and I'll on. give them my email address yeah. and um they can try to get into my account.
1: Okay, let's see if we can hack your account at twelve o'clock, all right? Yeah. All right, Patrick. <laughs> Cheers for now. Thanks. Okay, take care.
2: The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 106.
1: Text 0868-104-106, Lads, we'll pick up on all other business tomorrow. I know that on Friday there was a chap by the name of uh, Randy Santel was going into uh, Tony's Bistro on the North Main Street to take on the Godfather challenge. It's always good to revisit stories because otherwise they're just left hanging. Somebody who had uh, a bit of time on his hands on Friday.
6: <laughs> you make it sound like I'm dusting and doing. No, we're inside the, in our beautiful city, knocking around town. Why not? So you went in to observe. I did. Um, I've been a, a big fan of Randy Santel for quite a while. Who so is he? He's a, an American professional eater. Um, <laughs> so literally I subscribed to his YouTube channel and the dude just like eats these ridiculous meals um, a couple of times a week. So he was uh, back in Cork. He did the Tony's he's challenge. He's big lad. He's huge. That wasn't, um, that was something I wasn't expecting. When I went in there this dude is massive. Now, I'm tiny anyway. But this dude is like six foot plus. Like you know I reckon if a car hit him the car would come off worse. <laughs> it was that bad. So I went into Tony's had a look there's a Crowd in there, and this dude can put away food. Man, it's okay, frightening.
1: Man. All right, so the, I s- saw a photograph of him sitting there before the main event. And the Godfather challenge is eight Horgan's Irish sausages, six smoked rashers, six six-ounce sirloin steak, four hash browns, four slices of Clonakilty black and white pudding, two fried eggs, two scrambled eggs, two enormous bowls of chips. Oh, yeah. Three fried tomatoes, a bowl of baked beans, a huge bowl of baked beans, mm-hmm. a massive bowl of sautéed, they're not portions, they're huge bowls of sautéed mushrooms, a bowl, massive yep. bowl of fried onion rings, six slices of toast, three slices of soda bread, always down with a bucket of tea or coffee.
6: And, and he did it in just over 20 minutes. It was frightening watching this dude eat. It was just like, it was just a remorseless breakfast eating machine like <laughs> just shoveling food into his mouth like you know what I mean
1: did he use a knife
6: and fork no he was using his hands for most of it um, I think he used a spoon for the beans um, I have to admit I didn't stay for the whole thing because I had my little girls with me and about three minutes into it child two started saying very loudly dad I'm bored can we go because at the end of the day it's just a dude eating breakfast like you know what I mean but the pace of it it's what, frightening Just, what did he start with um, like, what did he start with he he had the stake very very early on anyway and then he attacked the toast um, Like he obviously has a strategy going in mind because like when they were setting up uh, the shots and all that stuff like he was kind of telling people his strategy I think I'm going to go for this first and then someone said oh Randy you're going to do it in 20 minutes he goes I can't stand over 20 minutes 30 maybe I can stand over 30 why 30. were they saying 20 minutes was there a record to be broken see he had the record um, the last time he was here was it like 5 or 6 years ago um, he did it in 47 minutes um, so he was the only person in Tony's history to do it under an hour and he wanted to break his record and he did that. He beat it by 26 So So he's
1: o- still the only person to do it under an hour yeah, ever and he did it in 21 minutes. <laughs> then he did it in 21 minutes. So you minutes. think he's achieved a record that will never be broken?
6: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think anybody is going to get anywhere near Anywhere near 21 What did Jonathan make of it in there? He was delighted. I was speaking to him briefly, um, and uh, he was absolutely delighted uh, with, I suppose, the buzz that was around the place and all the attention that uh, Tony's was getting. Um, And and did, was there, somebody else also did the challenge on the same morning as him, was there? Uh, His partner did it after him, Katina. (laughs) So, like, by comparison, like, you know, Randy's the biggest dude in the world. Katina is tiny. She's smaller than me. Did she do it? And she put it away. It's like, it's, like, I don't know where it all went because she's so small. And she does this on a regular basis. They're in Dwyer's and I performed the Thursday they night. They did
1: the Holy Cow Burger Challenge. Oh, I in watched Dwyer. him do this. The one and a half life. kilo beef
6: patty, is it? It was ridiculous. You could see his stomach getting bigger as the challenge was progressing in, in Dwyer's. It was a frightening amount of food he put away. But his health is at risk, is it not, with cholesterol and pressure on his heart? I would imagine so. He's a big dude, man, as I was saying. Like, you know what I mean? And you're eating this food regularly, two or three times a week. Uh, you'd have to imagine he's under pressure. Now, if you watch him on YouTube, he does go through um, healthy um, eating crazes to get his weight back down. He calls it a sexification, he calls it, to get back into somewhat of fighting shape. Do you
1: think we'd give it a go, you and I?
6: I don't think the two of us could finish it between <laughs> us, to be perfectly honest with you, boy. All
1: right, go on. let you get up. <laughs> I'm out of time guys there lines to stay open on uh, as always 0868-104106 by text email neil at uh, redfm.ie oh I didn't mention I had some fabulous family passes to give away the rest of the week for Michael Collins House for Spike Island for Camden Fort Mar for Skibbereen Heritage Centre for the Yaw Clock Gate Tower for the Voices of St Mary's Tour at the St Mary's Collegiate Church in Yawl, which I think is absolutely superb so if you're looking for things to do across the summer Cork County Council and Explore Cork app have given me family passes for those to give away. And we'll start on those tomorrow. So make sure you're listening. you am going to pick up a, a family pass to take you to one of those wonderful, wonderful uh, summer experiences for you and the kids. Occupy the time. I'm not saying that there's not other things to do with the weather's being nice, but it gets you into some wonderful, wonderful locations free of charge. I'll see you tomorrow. For
0: more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.